Hello, and thank you for calling Movie Phone, brought to you by the Killer Bee, B96. <laughs> hey, says to Miss Cockman here. Baby, up your butt with a coconut. I think he was prepared to do it. Dylan. You son of a bitch. I'm going to tear up the fucking dance floor, dude. Check it out. Terrific. A six-demon bag. Sensational. What's in it, Egg? Hey, yo, Kareem, baby, what's up? Well, listen, you ought to ditch the geeks in the car with now and get in with us, but that's all right. We'll worry about that later. Hey, homie, you need some help? I don't know where you're headed, but can you call in sick? Audience, baby, what's up? Welcome to another episode of Two Seat Cinema. My name is Lou. And I'm Dan, and we're uh, we're doing this again. There, I'm, I'm I'm still not sure if I'm going to have that be the uh, the intro going forward. I feel like it's probably right on the edge of annoying enough that I shouldn't do it. It'll it'll probably it'll probably put somebody off, but you know what? That that's fuck one that of the, guy. It's one of the three people who had tried. Exactly. Thanks for trying anyway, and uh, you know. Go back to episode one and two, and where I didn't do that. <laughs> we'll just alternate. Yeah. So uh, we're talking about fucking Commando today. This is my going my commando. choice. No, not going Commando. We're both wearing underpants. Well, I don't know if you're wearing. I'm wearing underpants. Are you yeah, wearing actually, underpants? Yeah, I am. All right. So, do you refer to them as underpants? No, it's called my boxers. <laughs> Your boxers. You know, years and years ago, I switched to boxer briefs. Did you know that about me? You talked about it, yeah, and I think okay. it was I was out in L.A. when you told me at the time because I was yeah that that was the discussion. I think you had the uh, not not like the the tight sporty ones, but the like the kind of I don't know oh cottony looking ones. Yeah, they're fat guy boxer briefs. Okay, and uh, I wear them with pride. But yeah, I don't remember when I made the switch. I feel like maybe it was when I was living in Georgia the second time. But yeah, at some point I switched and I just never looked back. I still have boxer shorts in my drawer. I just have not worn them in years and years. It's okay. Tammy actually, uh, my wife actually inherited a large amount of my boxers that she wears as like hanging around the house shorts. You know. Got it. Yeah. No, I have uh, I have boxers. I have boxer briefs, and and I do have the uh, the workout boxer briefs. Nice. You have any uh, briefs? I don't. Yeah, I don't either. I don't. I, I, I don't want see to myself. say do not, but I went with don't. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I don't either. Uh, I don't think I'll ever go back to that. Well, I think th- I left those in my. I think I would know, chafe preteens. I would chafe immediately, and then I'd remember why I would never wear them again. Yeah, yeah. I maybe would wear them if I was Italian, but you know. Well, you'd have more um, leg hair then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, built in for the for the anti-chafing. Uh, yeah. What were we talking? About? Oh, we're we're talking about Commando. That the movie Commando. It Although, was my choice. <laughs> we we were both talking when talking about going Commando. We were both contemplating if we should do that. The that one time we wore kilts together. Yeah. So for those of us uh, out there that don't know, Dan, for his wedding, we wore kilts because he's uh, got some Scottish in him, some Scottish and, uh, and some Irish. Yeah. So all all that shit that makes kilts a thing, and so we all wore kilts. You know, his wedding party, all the men wore kilts, and uh, yeah, I was I was told implicitly not to uh not to <laughs> forgo the, the the underpants i was very strongly considering doing it, it anyway but it was a conversation yeah 
So I did wear underpants. And I don't remember what I wore. I might have worn boxers because that was long long enough back there that that might have been the choice. Well, the, the, the kilts that we wore were, were black watch. And uh, ironically, the boxers I wore happened to match that tartan pla- plaid of black watch. So that's how <laughs> nice. I rolled. My favorite part was the dagger. <laughs> we, all got, we all got daggers to wear. Yes, in, in, in our sock. Yes. Maybe I'll post a picture from, from, from all that. Yes. Uh, yeah, back to the fucking movie. We're going to talk about Commando today. This movie, man. This fucking movie. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> yeah, before we get into it, I just want to warn you, as with all our previous episodes, we're going to spoil the fuck out of this movie. We're, we're, we're going to tell you everything. We're going to spoil every one-liner. Um, we're going to probably roast a lot of things. Uh, I don't know how much positive things we're going to say about it, but I, I believe that there will be a surprise at the end after you hear our entire episode about it. Um, but yeah, Commando. Arnold's biceps look magnificent, though. I mean, he's a, he's in fucking peak shape here. Yeah. Uh, he 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 didn't. There weren't a lot of times he looked better. I'll put it that way. It's it's a toss up between here and Conan, and then you know a, a couple moments in the Predator. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, I you know, I'm sure he was still on his on his cycle during this all is, of those yeah. movies. <laughs> fucking just sauced to the gills, just Mexican fucking supplements all up and down that bitch. <laughs> so, um, do you, do you remember like we were younger talking about like I genuinely thought there was a chance that those bodybuilders were natural. Like before I really reached the age of reason, like in my uh, early days of lifting weights, like high school era. Okay, so you're you're saying when you were up until maybe junior high, you thought this was like just a thing? Later, dude. When I was like, because I didn't start lifting weights until I was probably a, a freshman in high school, but I bought the Arnold fucking book, the the yeah. Encyclopedia of Bodybuilding, whatever the fuck he, he wrote. I, I bought that shit in high I've school. I got your copy on my bookshelf right behind me. <laughs> nice, nice. Oh, over Dan's shoulder there, he's, I see uh, his bookshelf He's in his in his, <laughs> in his his basement man cave, whatever you'd call that. Uh, yeah, I, I really genuinely didn't, I wasn't a hundred percent sure whether or not he was on steroids back then. Obviously, as I got older, that's laughable. Yeah. I must, I must have somebody tip me off because I don't think I ever thought that these were not steroid induced. Yeah. I, I mean, it's so comic to think that that would be possible. I guess the only, yeah, the only, (laughs) the only thing that like. I think I was I would question it in in my mindset was was like okay so if steroids are illegal and this is a competition don't you know isn't this like the Olympics and in the in the doping commission anti doping commission and stuff <laughs> right. don't they test and so on and then and, you know I was trying to rationalize this whole thing but then you know at some point I just said well then these guys still wouldn't be as big and then wouldn't make them money and therefore right. you know, there's no point to this so chances are those aren't in the rules. <laughs> And if they, they are, they're they're written in pencil so they can be erased at convenience. They were so big. They got so big. I mean, they're huge now, obviously. Yeah. But even like that, it was that era where it like went from being like Steve Reeves, bodybuilder oh, from yeah, the 70s. No, it, and he then, reinvented the whole wheel on that one. Yeah. Like, you know, they, they got the good shit. Yeah. Well, then, in, I mean. Back in the early 80s. Yeah. And then, and then Ronnie Coleman came on, you know, after oh. Arnold was done. I don't know like how much you paid attention recently, but there's there's a documentary. Not. There's a documentary on him, and he can't he can barely walk. Like yeah. he looks like a deflated tire. He can he can barely stand. He's uses like walking canes and stuff, and it's it's so fucked it's up. It's bad. Well, uh, 
Luckily, that's not what we're talking about. We're, well, maybe we'll do pumping iron on another episode, but uh, <laughs> we're going to embrace uh, and celebrate Arnold and his, his steroid use in Commando. Uh, directed by Mark L. Lester and written by Stephen E. D'Souza, uh, based on a story idea, an original a screenplay that was then rewritten. The, uh, the original screenplay was written by uh, Jeff Loeb and Matthew Wiseman, who had previously written Teen Wolf together. So that's weird. It is kind of weird. Yeah. I don't see any parallels whatsoever. No, and honestly, their script, it really seems like, uh, was not much like what was eventually made. I, you know, basically their script was sold, and then Stephen E. D'Souza was brought in once Arnold was hired to make it Arnified. So <laughs> everything about the movie, other than the idea of, like, an ex-commando trying to save his daughter from a, you know, dictator, blah, 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 everything else is... is Stephen, I would assume, including you know the the one liner t- type stuff. <laughs> uh, is it, so, this is okay. this is. Would you say the 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 start of the one liners for for Arnold, or and would it would Raw Deal have much? I mean, was this this was before Raw Deal, wasn't, wasn't it? Though, well, now we have to look. Yeah, Thank God sorry. for editing. <laughs> uh, where is my IMDb? Let me click on that motherfucker. Arnold Schwarzenegger. All right. Yeah, no, Rod so, Dale's 86 and, and this is 85. So let's look at, let's, let's real quick. We got Conan, we got the Terminator. I think the Terminator was, even though we don't really think of it, the because one-liner. that's the first appearance of I'll Be Back. And even though, like, it wasn't a one-liner in that movie, I feel like that's what it's, started. Guess, well, that's more of a signature. That's more of a signature yeah. line than, than a one-liner. Like, the I'll Be Back. Sure, was, sure. It, it was definitely, it, it it's signature yeah. line. The one-liners, I think, I can't think of another action film where it did it before. No, this. I think you're right, but I also think it, a lot of it has to do with like that idea of like Arnold being, he's not even playing a, a character, he's just Arnold, and when you get Arnold in the movie, it's time to give him those fucking funny, like, you know, kind of dry lines that he does, and I feel like that's started with Terminator, even though it wasn't meant to be that. Yeah, well, Terminator. I, when you say dry lines, it just fits that. It's a know, robot. The the character is yeah. meant to be. Yeah, meant to be monotone. So when it comes across, yeah, it just you know worked really well with his acting right, right at the time. And I think that's what it is. I think you know they found the niche. Arnold, can you be robotic uh-huh. and monotone? Exactly. Exactly. Well, if it's not the beginning of that, it is definitely the very early days of that. Um, and yeah. I I I think this is the the beginning of the yeah. one-liners I'm, I'm comfortable with with uh you making that case for my life it, it's, it's it, the it probably is for me too um and speaking of that it was released in the u.s on october 4th 1985 which would have made me nine and you what 14 maybe uh, about to turn october fourth. what four so i was about to turn cool. 14 that's a good age to see this movie uh, the budget, $10 million estimated. I think it was one of those movies that went over budget a little bit. And uh, the gross box office was 57 just over $57 million worldwide, $35 million North America. So I feel like we could call that a hit. Yeah, it was enough to yeah. be a hit. I mean, you, you more than doubled yeah, your money. Yeah, for sure. I mean, more than f- fiffled your money. I don't think fiffled is a word, but <laughs> you get me. Five. Uh, 
It didn't open against anything. Nothing else came out that week. Uh, the week before, we had Invasion USA, which, you know, classic Chuck Norris. And uh, the week after, we had Silver Bullet slash Better Off Dead slash Remo Williams' The Adventure Begins. So well, That's the killer weekend right there. That is a good weekend. I'll be honest. Not not sure which of those movies I see that weekend, opening weekend. Out of those three, Silver Bullet, Better Off Dead, Remo Williams, what do you see? Uh, in order in which I saw them, I would say I saw Better Off Dead, Silver Bullet, and then Remo Williams. That's the order I saw. I have a soft spot in my heart for Remo Williams. I, that's one of those weird movies where you, you almost feel like you dreamt it. Like, was that a real movie, the action <laughs> movie starring Fred Ward and climbing around on the fucking... Uh, Am I remembering yeah, this right? Yeah, like for a long time, before the internet, this is a fever I, I guarantee you, before the internet, there was a moment where I was like, wait, did that movie exist? What, who the... who? What was that? <laughs> so, yeah, special place in my heart for that. But I also like the other two. Um, but yeah, not, not, not this episode. Maybe another episode uh so yeah so yeah do you do you remember when you first saw this movie do you have a memory i saw this shit on vhs okay so many many moons after yeah i did not see this in in the theater at at all that's interesting not 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 the kind of thing you would go to the theater for arnold you know blowing shit up you know, I my exposure uh, to that sort of you know the, to the bodybuilding action was uh, Lou Ferrigno and the Incredible Hulk with okay. uh, Bill Bixby. So right. at the time, um, I think I was harboring some grudge maybe against Arnold because they were rivals for uh, Mister Universe at one point, or <laughs> a couple of points. So. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> that's funny. That's cool. that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I didn't. I had no no uh, <laughs> no allegiances at that point. I was down for whoever. I was down for Rambo. I was down for Arnold. I didn't care. I definitely saw First Blood before I saw this. Okay, yeah, no, I definitely saw this in the theater when I was nine. Uh, there was a theater walking distance from my where I lived, my apartment in Irvine, uh, on married on the campus and married student housing of UCI. And me and my friends used to, you know, skate or ride bikes to this movie theater and see movies. And this fucking place did not care. Like we saw this same movie theater. I know for a fact, we saw Ferris Bueller's day off there. We saw nightmare on Elm street two at this theater. Like they did not give a fuck. So I definitely walked up as a nine year old and bought tickets to see commando. <laughs> it's fucking nice yeah I, I vividly remember and i goddamn loved it yeah nine-year-old me you saw caligula there you, <laughs> exactly. you saw texas chainsaw massacre uh-huh. there. we caught the double feature of of deep behind throat the, and you caught behind behind the green, the green door. door yeah <laughs> a little devil and miss jones <laughs> when i was negative two <laughs> the exorcist yeah no but they were, they i were rolling snuff films there that theater is now gone and it's a target it you know they've they've basically rebuilt this strip mall to to be other things but i have fond memories of that theater man i saw a lot of a lot of movies there in my early days that i was I not supposed to see <laughs> So yeah, weirdly, I saw this before you did, even though you you got me on age. Yeah. So somehow I managed. Sure. Uh, this fucking poster. Let's take a look at this poster, dude. Like uh, this is it's pretty iconic. It is because I mean it's just literally him doing you know uh, you know a muscular bicep pose. Uh huh. He's basically just doing a pose from his fucking routine, and then they just threw a like you know <laughs> some body paint on. Yeah, his some face body paint and, and a vest and a couple of grenades. Oil them up, man. <laughs> 
they like have to put a weapon in every every orifice and every hand and yeah, I will talk about that. <laughs> it's quite funny like like thinking about this movie, uh, you know, okay, so a spoiler alert a bit. I I like this movie, right? Obviously I put it on this list. Right. It's one of those movies that I, it, it brings me warmth. Um I have fond feelings, it's nostalgic, everything. I've never really looked hard at the poster. I've never really thought hard about the plot or the characters or any of that shit until I watched it this time. And it was almost surreal to just like looking at this poster and, and you know, Arnold staring back at me, like kind of sexily doing like a pout kind of thing. <laughs> it's iconic. But the more I look at it, the more I'm like, I don't know if I've ever looked hard at this poster. <laughs> you know, it's well, I, you know, I can I can rationalize the fact that you don't need to look hard at it because it's it's familiar already because again he's just doing arnold if you've if you've had any exposure exposure to arnold schwarzenegger this is already ingrained in your mind so it's like you glance at it because you already know what it looks like it's like yeah. when you're reading a sentence and you know your brain skips certain words so that you sure, can read sure. faster and just already assumes they're there you're looking at this poster and you're already assuming You've seen this poster. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really need to look harder at it. I'll tell you this right now. This fucking tagline, somewhere, somehow, someone's going to pay, does not sound remotely familiar to me. <laughs> like, I don't know if I've ever actually seen that 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 phrase before, yeah. and yet it there it is on the poster. So. As, as a tagline, I couldn't tell you I've ever read it either. But then again, like, you read the title of the movie, and it again, that tells you nothing. The poster right. itself sets you up for... What is, is he? Is he a soldier? Is he in war? Is this you know what? What is? What's <laughs> is going he a on? fucking mercenary? Right, but at the same time, like he's. I mean, the fact that he was a commando at some point is. I don't know. It's barely played out, other than like he's highly skilled at everything he does. Yeah, and he's got a reputation. Reputation amongst his small circle of friends. That sure, <laughs> right. <laughs> Right, he's got a reputation among the bad guys in the movie. This poker group, and and his uh, previous general. Right. Um. Yeah. I. I. Yeah. It's it's strange. We'll get into all that. Yeah, we'll get into all that. Um. Yeah. Fuck it. Let's let's do the plot, dude. Let's dive into this son of a bitch. One minute. There's a plot. Yeah, there is a plot. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna figure that out during the next three hours of our life. The movie is like what ninety two minutes or something. It is uh, ninety two minutes. Let's see if we can briskly roll through this son of a bitch. It's about eighty seven too long. Yeah, we open on a garbage <laughs> truck coming up on a suburban street, and since it's the nineteen eighties, it's old school garbage truck with you know two garbage men hanging off the back of it, which it's men at work style. Yeah, Tammy said to me immediately, like, "Oh, that's fucking old school. Like they got garbage men hanging off the back of that truck. Like it's been so long since you saw that image. You know, you just think of garbage trucks now as having the fucking forks that come down, and yeah. they're all like, yeah, it's, it made me laugh when I saw that. The uh. The tone of the film is quickly set by Cook, played by Bill Duke, the wonderful, wonderful Bill Duke. I will say I like Bill Duke. Yeah, he's 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 a garbage man here, but we're going to find out quickly that he's not really a garbage man. The guy that we're sort of focusing on, so you know, uh, uh, looks kind of like a suburban dad type. He's in bed. He he hears the garbage truck coming. He makes some sort of you know stupid comment about like, oh, is it, you know, is it Tuesday today? Kind of like. We're thinking it's not garbage day, or maybe it is, but this guy forgot. He runs outside with his garbage, and uh, the tone is very quickly set here. When the guy says to Cook, I was afraid you missed me, and Cook replies with, don't worry, we won't. 
And then <laughs> him and his accomplice pull out Uzis and pepper the dude with Uzi fire. At what point did you know that Bill Duke had a directing career? <laughs> when you told me the other day. Okay. <laughs> Very recently. Yeah. Like it it I, seems like he was hiding that. <laughs> I was three days ago years old when I found out that Bill Duke had a directing career. It doesn't surprise me, though. He, he's, I mean, come on. He's got opportunities. Why not? Yeah. But yeah, that, we get the fucking silly kind of like a joke made before a murder here, which, again, sets the tone of this movie up real nicely. Uh, the thing that that I thought very quickly, which I've never thought before watching this movie, was was their plan just to drive past his house over and over again until he came out, considering it's not garbage day? It's a day. terrible plan. <laughs> it's a terrible, <laughs> terrible plan. It's right. It's, it, there's no way that this would have worked. Had that had that occurred to you before this most recent watch? Because it never occurred to me before. When when I watched it again, I looked at it and I'm like, yeah, this still doesn't make sense. So obviously, when I thought about it, I said, yeah. still doesn't make sense. So yes, it occurred to me before. Okay. This is a terrible <laughs> idea because I had to have questioned how, like you said, what what is what's what's the level of success guaranteed here? And I would say zero. Yeah, if you're going to assassinate somebody, it's not the best play. And it, you know, again, it it this is where this this is the beginning of the end for this movie when it comes to like okay, this this <laughs> movie was written. Yeah, well this movie was written with the idea of entertaining and shocking over any kind of grounded story or logic. So, instead of saying like how would assassins go about killing this guy? They just say like what if this guy came out with his garbage and the garbage man blew his ass away? And that's like the end of the thought. You know, it would so, make more sense if they just knocked out the garbage men on garbage day, you know? And Yes, that, that would have made more sense. Although, truthfully, again, like, how often do you, like, pull your garbage out when the garbage men are, wa- are, are showing up? Usually you do it the night before. I do it the night but, before. But I do know that certain in certain areas, like an association, neighborhood association says that you can't put your trash out until oh, um, yeah. the morning of... Uh, things yeah. like that. So there's there's certain areas, and this guy looks like he's living in kind of a swankier community. You know, he's he's pulling it mm-hmm. down the driveway that has a gate on it. So that could be plausible, and the fact that he's got to get out there, but then just show up 20 minutes early. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's a weird plan, and uh, officially things are no, are not looking well because we've spent longer talking about this scene than the actual scene takes. Yes. So uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna keep doing that. I have a feeling. Uh, <laughs> can we also pause to appreciate the '80s when the Uzi was the movie villain gun of choice? Ugh, the Uzi, like Uz- Uzis are f- fucking. They were the kind. Of, they were like ninjas. They were really fucking cool in the '80s. And then now looking back on say. them, it's fun to say. Yeah, you're looking back and you're like, that is not a that's not a practical weapon. No, um, no, I remember actually. Probably about two years later, as a teenager was handling an Uzi, uh, that, that, and it literally scared the living shit out of me that this was this was a loaded submachine gun. So yeah, not yeah. Um, that, that that's a long story for another time. Yeah, I, I want to know your Uzi story, but I don't want this episode to be four hours long. So <laughs> let's let's save that for off off the record. But it had enough cachet value for somebody to have one that I handled. That's cool. That's cool. I look forward to hearing that story. I don't know that I've heard that story. If I did, I've purged it somehow. (laughs) The next scene here has Bill Duke at a car dealership. Uh, After having the salesman call him brother, like, a couple of times at least. (laughs) There's some racial profiling in this for sure. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of, like, you know, you don't want leather brother. Yeah. 
I mean, he's profiling a bit because he thinks he's going to sell him a Cadillac by saying, you don't want leather, brother. Leather cracks. <laughs> it's vinyl. Uh, exactly. You want vinyl. Leather's hot. Leather's sticky. That's vinyl. But take it from me, you don't want leather, brother. Leather's hot. It's uncomfortable. It cracks. Nothing but trouble. But yeah, we get we get another classic uh, Bill Duke line from this movie where he says, You know what I like best? What's that? The price. And it's all about <laughs> delivery with Bill Duke. You know, he says like, we won't the price. Yeah. You know, he, he does the like, uh, at the end of his lines. Bill Duke has a nice little simmering rage going behind him. Oh, and that's, man. And that's I mean, where, that's why he's effective. He's more effective at, at some of this stuff than he's ever given credit for, I think. I mean, fuck yeah. He's, he, he's criminally underrated in things like Predator. And oh, I loved him Menace in Predator. Society. Yeah. <laughs> I know you love him in Menace of Society. Oh, I mean... Yeah, been quoting that shit for years. But you bought the bottle of beer, definitely, at twelve fifteen. Yeah, it was twelve fifteen, exactly. If I'm not mistaken, it was. Now you see something. Now you see now. You know, fucked up. You know that, don't you? I see. You know what I'm saying? I, no, I, I thought. No, so, you know what I'm saying? That you know, I, fucked up. Now you know that, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> Bill Duke is a national treasure. Hopefully he, there's no like weird stuff that I don't know about him that's going to make me sound bad. You know you don't fucked yeah. up. Uh, but yeah, so he, he says he likes the price best, and then he drives his Cadillac, well, the Cadillac. He basically backs it up like three or four feet and then <laughs> drives it through the salesman and through a plate glass window, hauling ass down Ventura. Clearly looks like he's killed the dealer. Well, that's the thing. Again, we're going to go back to this uh, repeatedly, I believe, but... This plan seems flawed to me. Like, you're driving through this dude from a dead stop with a runway about five feet. It's just not a good way to guarantee a kill. Yep. You know? But, like, fuck. You're going to fuck the guy up. That's for <laughs> sure. But it, he, he got a lucky break that this guy apparently was killed on impact. Because, you know, they, they give you, like, a cut into the guy's face and it's all fucked up and bloody. And, like, yeah, maybe the, the glass fucked him up and maybe the impact fucked him up. But, like, come on, dude. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to point out the fact that it wasn't until... I don't know, maybe third, fourth time I saw this, that I even drew the conclusion that, wait, this was a guy that he meant to kill. It was, it, the way this was staged was, <laughs> yeah. I thought this is just him getting a vehicle he for his, a car. You know, the rest of the movie. Yeah, so, he just wanted a, he wanted a fucking Cadillac. Yeah. So it wasn't, it <laughs> By wasn't any really, means. it wasn't really staged well for, no. for, uh, for a kid not paying attention to follow. I mean, I got to be honest with you. The only reason, the only thing that would make you think that that was in on purpose kill is the fact that, one, they zoom in on the guy's face as Bill Duke drives away, showing that he's dead. So they're, like, putting emphasis on this guy that he just killed. And two, when, you know, in a, in a future scene here in a second, when the general mentions, like, the members of Matrix's team, oh, he mentions three guys who we, we just saw three people get killed. Yep. So we're we're doing a lot of inferring here, but... Yeah, I believe this was an assassination. I don't think it was just a snatch and grab of that Cadillac. Uh, I th- I th- but I think I need. We can't a, be sure. I think I need a bulletin board with the with the red yarn. You know, tying it all together. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> We're gonna crack this case one way or another. <laughs> uh, so, in the third assassination scene here, Bill Duke is now on the docks. We see what we assume is the mark getting onto a fishing boat and entering the wheelhouse. I had to look that up because I couldn't remember what the fuck you call that little house with the with the wheel in it. 
That's on a boat. The, the, like it's the not bridge. the captain's, you know, it's not the bridge on like a fishing boat, right? But yeah, it's a wheelhouse. Uh, and the the guy that, that they're kind of paying attention to here, the guy we assume is the Mark, he turns and he smiles at Bill Duke, which now we know that this one's not like the others. Yeah, um, a little... Yeah. There's a wink and a nod. He more or less winks and nods. And he, and he looks like a poor man, Stacy Keach. Sure. There's a lot of comments that we can make about Vernon Wells, and we will probably make them all here over the course of this episode. Uh, Bill then proceeds to pull out the biggest fucking detonator I've ever seen and blows the boat up with it. Did you see that? Did you clock that fucking detonator? Uh, it, it looked like it looked like a 1970s, you know, like remote controlled car. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like it's like probably a foot across. It's like a, a square. Yeah. It's like a, a, a square foot and thick and then he pulls the fucking antenna out of it too like real <laughs> deliberate <laughs> yeah yeah real deliberately and it's like not even cool and black it's like you know like rose gold colored it's so it's it really is bizarre to me um again i've never noticed that and the only reason i noticed it here is because as soon as it cut to bill duke holding it tammy laughed my wife started laughing out loud there was a lot of moments where tammy started laughing out loud when we were watching this movie and it made me think she maybe has never seen this movie all the way well, through you know it's 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 watching with somebody who hasn't already accepted you know the the romanticism that you've got for this right so so she's yeah. she's she's definitely a good foil for that oh boy i think this is gonna make this whole process of watching these movies a lot more fun for me to make her watch them too <laughs> so so i can't wait till till our jim cotta episode oh boy so uh th- he fucking blows the boat up and <sighs> all right here's the thing right a second before the boat explodes, they cut to the wheelhouse where we see the Mark, like, steering the boat and looking around. He's in that fucking boat, right? This and is, a split this is second not, later, already, they cut outside and explodes. <laughs> this is, you know, I, I could have already started picking apart the editing, you know, three scenes ago. Like, in, you know, mm-hmm. but uh, this is, this is, uh, this is terrible editing. This film suffers from terrible, terrible editing. And this is just one of those moments where there isn't any plausible way that this scene transpires in the time that you see it as a viewer. It's just, it's not possible. Yeah. The camera is an unreliable narrator in this movie. So So we're going to accept that. (laughs) Sure. Sure. We're going to accept that, but we're also going to make fun of it. And yeah, it's, it, it was edited by like a 17 year old freshly out of uh you know his his av high school class where he's all excited to like make an action movie with his friends and then somehow he got put on this fucking big badge big budget arnold schwarzenegger movie so you went that way i i went with like it was all edited in in, in a straight 10 hour you know coke fueled delirium <laughs> where also they, possible where they realized that they were already past you know that what what they had for budget they already went over budget on it so now now they're under the gun that they need to get this you know a cut to producer to watch and it's just it's too late so, yeah. so they're just yeah, they, shit maybe they you know what we're giving the editor a, like a, a lot of grief but maybe he did what he could with what he had you know maybe he was given like two days to turn it around and and well yeah you know, i mean the we writing we the writing's kind of kind of pilot crap too so <laughs> <laughs> so uh from from some things we don't like we're gonna cut to uh some things that we do here the the boat exploding starts what in my opinion is one of the greatest action movie theme songs ever by the masterful james horner and i'm not even kidding i love steel drums man i love this theme song dude i love it i don't understand the caribbean theme (laughs) you know like i i guess like vaguely it it could you know 
sort of imply about the dictator that we're going to meet here in a minute and his like you know south american roots or his central american roots or whatever but yeah there's a there's a very distinct caribbean well, theme to the theme song for but sure it's fucking awesome dude So, but that being said, too, it also could be just James Horner discovered steel drums in 1985 <laughs> because I guess I he, love he uses them to great effect also with um, his, his score for 48 hours. And, yeah. And it's just, and it's almost <laughs> that point where the, the themes are reoccurring musically between the two scores. So I'm not mad at it. I, I'll be honest. Like, whatever he <laughs> wants to do, this, I love it, this theme song. I've loved it since I was a kid. And as soon as I heard it in this movie, I got a boner. It's so. recognizable from something out of my past, but it's beyond that. It, it probably would fit better in Miami Vice. I mean, you're not wrong. And for the audience, so they don't have to go and watch it, I'm going to cut to it right here. Enjoy. I <laughs> I love it. I don't care, dude. I like that that fucking theme song. I want to cover that in whatever band I'm in next. Can you imagine if you went to see a band and they covered the theme to to Commando? It would be very very hard for me to piece where I heard it from if I was hearing a band <laughs> like out of context, so out of context. <laughs> like in you're like down at the Metro or the Riviera or something, and suddenly you're like, what? Why does it sound familiar? And where did they get those steel drums dude, all of a sudden? Just They've never used steel drums before, have they? <laughs> Just randomly pulling out steel drums. Wheeling them out there. For like a, a, a minute and 30. <laughs> Just like a minute 30 fucking song. Oh, boy. Uh, what were we talking about? Oh, yeah, Commando. Um, yeah, opening credits or whatnot. So from the docks to the mountains here, we, we finally see Arnold. Uh, this credit sequence is so amazing. I love this credit. Was, I love this credit. So, what was their point in in hiding his face? You know, for for just even though I mean, it's not like they do it for very long, but it's it's purposeful. They're they're hiding his face. I don't think they're hiding his face. I think they're focusing on his most important attributes first. <laughs> I think that we don't care about his face. We care about those fucking bicep. And so we're not concerned with the gap between his front teeth. Got it. No, hey, you know, go easy, friend. It works for him. Go easy it on works the gap. For him. Does I'm it just work saying. For me? You know. <laughs> I could give him a run for his money on that gap, brother. <laughs> brother, sorry, you're not Bill Duke. I should I should save the, the brothers for when Bill comes on the show. Ah, oh, yes. But yeah, this credit sequence uh, it goes from Arnold chopping down a tree and carrying the fucking tree on his shoulder to uh, you know close-ups of his fucking sweaty muscles, which literally made my wife laugh out loud again. She's just like, why are they focusing on his muscles like that aggressively? Because the movie, for the most part, is a showcase of his physique. You talked about the fact that this screenplay was almost entirely rewritten and you know changed once they got Schwarzenegger on board it's it's clearly like they just they made this movie to show how many angles they could have them I mean and and guess what they'll even put them in bikini briefs at one point oh it's the best it's the best don't say don't spoil it we're gonna get there (laughs) wet bikini briefs Uh, yeah yeah so 
yeah, we, we find out through this montage that uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger lives with what we believe is probably his daughter and not just like a younger girlfriend in the mountains. It's questionable. Um, <laughs> there's some it's moments questionable. There. <laughs> uh, in this montage, they're feeding a deer, they're fishing, they're practicing martial arts, they're fucking sharing ice cream cones. Let me talk they're about kissing. these fucking ice cream cones. We're, yeah, we're going to get to the kissing. Let me talk about these ice cream cones, though, first, because I had to rewind. Tammy's like, why are they sharing ice cream? Like, they do the thing where it's like, you want to taste my flavor? Yeah, let me taste your flavor. And he, like, you know, she puts her, her ice cream in his face, like, ha, ha, ha. But they have the same fucking flavor of ice cream. Yeah. Like, the the filmmakers were so lazy that they didn't think to, like, you know, let's give the oh. daughter chocolate and <laughs> Arnold vanilla. They both have vanilla ice cream. Like, yeah, maybe one's French vanilla and the other's just regular vanilla. I don't <laughs> I know. So. They're the same fucking One's color. White. <laughs> One's white. I had to flavored. rewind because Tammy's like, why are they sharing their ice cream? They both have the same flavor. And I'm like, you literally are paying more attention right now than I ever have. And I've seen this movie like seven or eight times at least. That's more attention than the editor paid. For sure. For sure. So, yeah, fucking ice cream. I don't want to get too deep into the kiss, but there's a moment in this montage where, uh, well, so he's throwing her around the pool, right? That That's the first thing that I'm like, okay, like father, daughter, it's fine. I get it. But like, Actor Arnold Schwarzenegger and uh, actress Alyssa Milano, and and they're doing a lot of, like, touching while in bathing suits. Uh, I, I got a little, again, maybe that's just me. I got a little uncomfortable. But then very quickly thereafter, during the first, like, real scene, th- they, they're having, like, a nice little moment together, and then they, they kiss, like, on the lips. And not like a deep, you know, loving kiss, no, just I like mean, a peck. It's a peck, but, but it's still, but, it It seems like this is the wrong context altogether. And this is, it almost seems like somebody, I don't know. I. It seems could foreign we, Could to we me. chalk it up? That's to what it fa- seems well, like Well, that's to what me. I'm saying. Could we chalk it up to the fact that he's Austrian? I mean. Yeah, I, that's what occurred to me. It's like he, he probably did that with his fucking mom or his grandma when he was a kid. And there's nothing weird about it in in culturally and there's not like there's anything really weird or gross about it ultimately but the thing that makes it weird to me is just that i know that's arnold schwarzenegger at age 35 or whatever and then that's Alyssa milano at age 12 and they just touched lips on screen and i was just like it gave me the chills (laughs) (laughs) and not in a good way but it it, yeah it was a little little much a little more than we needed there on the on the like they could have connected in another way that would have made me more (laughs) comfortable <laughs> maybe this is all just showing like my own personal problems or issues it could be. you know i mean it's but possible. at the same time we share those yeah well something that i noticed real quick here and, and i think it was the ice cream that really put me on the scent uh was the, the care put into the details is about as minimal as they could manage it just was like whatever the first thought was that's what they went with and then they spent a lot of money on explosions so yeah, you know. there's the the props. Um, as long as they're guns, they it, they're good. But it's yeah. beyond that, nothing. It, you're right. Not the a lot of the care. detail. There's there's absolutely no continuity. You know, checks on anything. There's there's again like they could be playing a saxophone upside down and without without a neck strap and <laughs> right. with flames coming up behind them. And it's and that's that'd be typical for this film. Yeah, a little callback there to our last episode, The Lost Boys. Well, so anyway, we get a little exposition while Arnold playing John Matrix, by the way, is his name. And his daughter, Jenny, played by Alyssa Milano, they eat lunch in the cabin here in the mountains. Whose dumb idea was that? John Matrix. His character, character, he claims to be Eastern uh, Eastern German. German. Yeah. Yeah. East German. So... 
But at the same time, like John Matrix. I had in my notes here, do you think John Matrix is a fairly common East German name? (laughs) So, yes. And it occurred to me, why not just make Arnold's character Austrian? And the answer... The answer is Arnold probably requested the details so they could show some range, so he could show like range as an actor. Like, no, I'm not Austrian. I'm East German. Like, that's the only thing that makes sense to me. <laughs> right? No, I can do a German accent too. He might think he's doing a German accent in this movie. It's possible. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's a very, very unfortunate girl George joke here that wasn't funny in the 80s, but. You know, here it is in 2021, still still kicking. And we get a mystery sandwich with a side of sliced tomatoes, two huge olives, and one slice of avocado. And I'm like, why isn't that on the sandwich? <laughs> like, I get the olives being on the side, but it's a very weird plate of food. Yeah, it's more decorative. I will say that I really like when, uh, when Alyssa Milano says, here come the sandwiches. Here come the sandwiches. <laughs> that you don't want to know. <laughs> Exactly. You guys have to fucking just watch this movie. Um, yeah, let's just end the episode there. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so as they're enjoying their lunch, uh, in the background, we get a, a military helicopter arriving and uh, General Kirby proceeds to tell Matrix that someone is killing his former team. I'm skipping over a lot of little details there. If you really feel compelled to like give those details, the only detail I want <laughs> the only detail I want to say is that they're setting up the fact that he has these preternatural preternatural senses when it comes to danger because without any or audio cue at this point he notices that there is a helicopter on the approach and it, that that plays out multiple times throughout there into the fact that he can even smell people downwind yeah yeah well we're we're going to talk about that here in a second for sure but yeah he definitely he like did the like you know furrowed brows looking off into the distance and then a seconds later the the chopper blades come so yeah he's he's obviously got superpowers of some kind here um and that's fine. Whatever. It's Arnold Schwarzenegger. He, the, the, the fucking anabolic steroids gave him extra special exactly. uh, hearing and, and smelling. <laughs> Kirby shows up and basically says, your former team is being killed. We don't know who's doing it. We're going to find out. We're on our way to the city, quote unquote, to talk to the feds. No. To get to the no, bottom of this. Not, they're right? not talking to the feds. They're talking to the federal people. The federal people. The federal people. <laughs> <laughs> basically either one of us could have written this screenplay with oh. doing no research is is the point God, the federal people yeah so through this expo dump we glean that matrix formerly led some kind of special operations team and after they disbanded they were given new identities kirby's stopping by to warn matrix and also leave him with a couple of dudes as protection the first thing i thought while kirby was flying away was so you're telling me that the guy that was worried about missing the garbage man and the car salesman were both part of like an elite special forces team in the past because that's bullshit i know that you're a, a green beret or whatever and then you move on to other things you know you live the rest of your life you do whatever you do you have a family or whatever but you're still like a fucking green beret you know you still you don't you're not you're still, that guy yeah, calling you, everybody brother. You don't want leather, brother. <laughs> <laughs> you still you still sit with your back to, you know, uh, the wall. And, and exactly. you still check out the exits in the bar. And, you know, you, you're not. Dude, the guy with the garbage cans it was so, like, not ex-special forces in any fucking way. Yeah, that guy might in have been, any world. That guy might have been an ex-substitute teacher, and that's about it. Yes. Yeah. I ain't calling bullshit on that, and I think you'll agree. 100%. Yeah, so literally seconds after Kirby flies away, machine gun fire erupts, uh, killing one of the dudes sent to protect Matrix and wounding the other. And, you know, we get the fun little detail you're talking about where Matrix smelled them coming, 
which is how he dragged Jenny to the ground before the guns started firing. Uh, fun little fact here, a little, little quick fact. You know how when he when he drops to the ground there and he gets up, he's got a cut on his forehead. Yep. That cut was real. He cut his forehead in that scene. Okay. So, you know, I, I don't necessarily know. I, they might have uh, spiced it up because a lot of the blood in this movie is like super bright red. Like, oh, it's paint. Unfortunately bright. So, it's, you know what it reminded me of when I when I saw it again? Reminded me of uh, like Kung Fu theater, um, like the Shaw Brothers and stuff where yeah, that they would have the, the almost day glow red blood. I mean, it doesn't work now. You know, that's for sure. Looking at it now, it's it's comical. I also feel like in an action movie now, the writer would have had an extra scene of exposition between Matrix and the two guys that Kirby left him with, and then the baddies would have attacked the next morning. But because this is the fucking 80s and they don't give a shit, they're like, let's just get to it. So literally, those two scenes just became one scene. Like, the helicopter flies away as gunfire erupts. Yeah, it's it's not... (laughs) It hasn't even, like, crossed the horizon. You know, no. the, the tree line is still floating above. But yeah, I think you'd hit yeah. the nail on the head because it's like, uh, we don't give a shit. Let's move on. And that's Nope, let's get to the good shit. And that's, that's, what, that's it what it is. It's like an excuse. To, it, the movie is one excuse after another and move to another explosion or, you know, shoot them up. Yep. So Matrix sends Jenny to her room to hide. And uh, he heads to the shed to grab his uh, grab a rifle, I think. I need to grab my rifle, something like that. Which, so. which that begs the question of, he's now six feet from a fallen soldier who's dropped his weapon um and the weapon is just <laughs> within almost arm's reach already but then right. he's gonna he's gonna sprint 50 yards through open you know open cover to to his tool shed yeah it's a weird choice it also occurred to both me and tammy like wouldn't he have a safe room wouldn't instead of sending her to her fucking bedroom and hide under the bed, wouldn't he have? He's got a safe room he's for in, his fucking weapons. Yeah, he's in witness protection. Essentially, he's he's, he's got a new identity yeah. created for him. I would yeah. think that he would have something prepped. He's got a nice big house. Why wouldn't he take her with him and put her in the gun safe? <laughs> like he's running to the gun safe. She weighs like a you know maybe fifty pounds. Yeah. He's enormous. He was carrying a tree trunk like ten minutes earlier. <laughs> like he could have thrown her over his fucking shoulder in a fireman's carry and ran to the to the shed and put her in the fucking gun safe and close the door and then handle his business it's very weird i mean you know again back to my original point like what do we need to do to make this happen let's just write that it doesn't really matter i think i was more offended by the fact that there's a gun laying within you know <laughs> six feet of yeah him, but he's gonna yeah run. that actually didn't occur to me that's pretty funny he's gonna run it through a house he's gonna run out the backyard he's gonna run up a slope <laughs> Maybe he has some sort of like weird uh, a moral issue with killing people with someone else's gun. Like I need my rifle. <laughs> it's, the com- you know? it's the commando rules of, of doesn't exactly work when you know as the movie goes on. But you know I, I don't know. No, you're right. It's fucking stupid. Uh, the next bit is one of the moments that elevates this movie. Um, after having no reaction to the dead body of the other soldier that Kirby left behind, propped up behind a door as like a jump scare. Like he opens the door to the back of the house and this guy's just kind of dead standing there and he falls over. Now, first of all, he falls over and Arnold just looks at him like, <laughs> and it's like a combination of Arnold Schwarzenegger can't act. And also <laughs> it's hilarious that he would have no reaction to that guy. Just like watch him fall and then continue on his way. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was kind of like a squirrel ran in front of him at best. It's great. It's great. But uh, he goes back into the cabin and he finds one of uh, the evil henchmen in Jenny's room waiting for him. The dude's sitting in a rocking chair holding some arts and crafts that Jenny made. And, and uh, after explaining the Matrix that he needs to work with him if he wants to see his daughter again, the henchman says, so you got to cooperate, right? 
And then after quickly looking out the window to see the bad guys hauling ass down the road, Matrix turns back and replies, wrong, and then shoots the guy in the fucking head. Wrong. That, to me, is like a signature moment of this movie. Really, that moment justifies everything that happened up to this point in the movie for me. Like, I... It's right up there with Harrison Ford shooting the swordsman in my mind. It is such a funny, like, you just, what? <laughs> like, if you haven't seen it, it's like, what? <laughs> well, and, and again, especially 1985, you look at this and they're like, okay, we are going to do this action film different. We're going to basically not give a fuck. We're going to just do this and we're going to we're gonna see if we can not so much shock people, but but catch them off guard at least. This moment caught me off guard as a kid and just as a thought, just thinking about like that happening, them doing that like that. That's so singular a moment for me. I love it. Yeah. I mean, it's breaking conventions is what it was doing. I dig it. I dig it. And like I said, like if we've got like a meter running on how many fucking stupid things have happened so far, like we just got back to zero. We just rolled that bitch back to zero in my mind. Like I'm now we're now on square one. Let's see what happens next. You know what I mean? At the end of the movie, we're going to see where we ended up on the scale. But, like, right uh, now, I'm we're back even. than I am right now, but... I, I mean, I love that fucking moment, dude. I'll accept more of the the way that it's acted and, and scripted than the fact that the editing is just atrocious. <laughs> it's, it's rough. It's oh, rough. God. Speaking of atrocious editing, we're going to get hit real hard in the nuts in a second with that. So, Matrix finds the engine of his Ford Blazer is all fucked up when he runs outside. He decides to push on in neutral and let gravity do its job. Another, it's a good concept. It's like a fun idea. Terrible execution on this in terms of filmmaking. It's, it's yeah, it's terrible. But again, it was an excuse to show kind of the strong man aspect of Arnold by the fact that he's now just going to take by the sheer force of his muscles and his will. He's going to dislodge his stationary truck and get it rolling. Yeah. So he starts going straight down this fucking hill, right? He's just going straight as the, cl- the crow flies down the hill. And in the meantime, the bad, yeah, the bad guy convoy is like, you know, snaking around following the road to get away. So obviously he's making ground on them. And there's these ridiculous like shots of this bron- this uh, blazer, like popping up on one wheel. And like, <laughs> like his shocks would be so fucked up. <laughs> I don't that. care how off-roadish that, that truck was. Each and every shot where you see his vehicle looks like it's every single time on the verge of flipping yeah the next shot after each of those shots that shit flipped over and they had to reset every single time yeah it doesn't look like it's possible that this this thing would have made it down this hill but they he makes an approach on the bad guys and you get the pov from the bad guy's car like looking up at him coming down the hill and they're like oh he's fucking coming at us and then he misses right like they they pass and and then he keeps on going down the hill and then like we get you know, more of these ridiculous, like, bucking Bronco shots of his fucking truck. And then suddenly we're back in the car with the with the bad guys, and we assume we're, like, down at the next bend, like they've gone around the corner and come back around. And there's a shot. It's exact. It's the same shot from the previous <laughs> POV. Like, the sa- I rewound it. It's the same. It's, like, a slightly longer version of the same shot. So you, they just uh. reuse the same shot again to show him coming down the hill the second time. And that's ridiculous. But also... Like, what? 
Like, there's no way they meet up that second time unless those like what? They ha- <laughs> yeah, the only way that works is is if they were pacing themselves in order to catch Arnold <laughs> as opposed <laughs> right, they, to the opposite. You know, they couldn't have pa- dude. They would have had to go so fast to get around the bend and come back and catch. Like he's going straight down the hill. Yep. He's not turning or anything. So it, it's like you know the moment in speed. Yeah. And I don't think we're going to do speed on the show. And if we do, it's going to be so far in the future that we're going to forget we had this conversation. But that moment when it jumps, right? And you're watching this fucking bus go up the ramp. And there's like, you you can see physically the gap. There's no way the bus is going to make it across this gap. And then like when the bus actually hits it, there's obviously a launch ramp that pushes the bus's front forward. But it's still not going to make it. And then obviously the next cut is just the bus landing and you're like, okay, like I guess that's what happened right there. But this is like that, but worse. Yes. <laughs> and that's bad. So. It's really bad. Yeah, it's bad. And so again, we're we're losing ground after that, you know, the wrong after forehead the shot. Like yeah, we're losing some ground here again. We're back we're back in the negative. We're back in the red here a little bit. Um see what the editor's not showing is them, you know, Arnold resetting his vehicle each and every time after it's been tipped on its side or upside yeah, down. Exactly. So that's how, that's that's where the time is being made up. Maybe, may, you know, that is really the only thing that would make sense out of this. So we're going to go with that. So yeah, Matrix misses the, 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 the convoy the second time, crashes, finally crashes this fucking truck. And uh, as soon as he gets out of it, it explodes into flames, because why not? It's commando. Oh, doesn't a double and triple explode? Yeah, it, it it explodes in a way that's not feasible. I mean, unless that thing was just full of gasoline, the whole back was just barrels of gasoline. <laughs> Maybe Plus that he had propane tanks in, in in the payload also. Yeah, and like some C four back there. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you know he is ex military. He's a yeah. little paranoid. You know, driving around with a claymore mine in the passenger seat. Yeah. So another great detail that I like, and again, it's stupid, but I like it. Is he gets up, you know, off the off the crashed. He, you know, off the hill, and and he's immediately met by like four or five dudes, all all holding machine guns, and without hesitating, he just grabs the barrel of the machine gun closest to him and starts swinging. He just starts like kicking ass, and like, okay, we're we're playing the game now where these guys aren't going to shoot him because they need him obviously for something, so it makes sense why they wouldn't shoot him. But it's very comical, the idea that just he sees four guys all holding machine guns, and he's like, nope, I'm gonna fucking, we're gonna fist fight right now. <laughs> So that made me laugh. It's a barroom brawl. Yeah, I enjoy it. And of course, this is where you get some really aggressive Foley work, like with the punches and stuff. Like, it's just out of control. I like it, though. It's like, it's like, it's, you know, it's somebody hitting like, like taking a fucking baseball bat and like whacking a a, um, beanbag pillow with it. You know, it's that level of of just crazy sound effects for these punches, which is Arnold Schwarzenegger. So you got to really you got to show the power breaking dry spaghetti when he hits him in the ribs. Yeah, it's all kinds of shenanigans. Um, They finally wrestle Arnold to the ground and uh, it's revealed that the assassination mark that was on the boat, who we know for a fact exploded in that fishing boat, is actually here. And he's a former member of Matrix's team named Bennett. And he's played by Vernon Wells, which I didn't really I didn't realize this. But looking back at it, you've seen Road Warrior, obviously. Are you yes. familiar with who Vernon Wells was in that movie? No. Um, so tell me. So he played Wex, which is the fucking red mohawked marauder guy. Yeah. That's like one of the main bad guys in Road Warrior. And I didn't see it at all until I went nope. back and looked at Road Warrior. And. I mean, you know, he's he's got a red mohawk. And so does he's, that mean his Australian accent's actual? Yeah, it's a real. It's not a fake. Uh, it would be weird if it was just I, uh, like I, an American actor doing an Australian accent for this character. It seemed bad enough. 
That would have been gnarly. <laughs> no, it's a real Australian accent. And yeah, I mean, he's effective in the Road Warrior. Commando is proof that it was all mohawk and shoulder pads. Yeah, that, well, that, that in a couple, how many years distant? Like two? Yeah, I mean, more than that, probably. More than like five. Okay, I, I think that it was like in the late 70s Road no, Warrior. No, it was maybe. 80-something. Let's look. We've got editing on our side. He definitely, he definitely put on a beer belly. I mean, he didn't look in shape. <laughs> not he a, definitely not didn't look in least. shape. So yeah, eighty-one, um, and then what we have five years later, which, yeah, I don't know. He aged a lot in those five years. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie to you. He definitely let himself go. <laughs> Says us. <laughs> although, although his his chain mail <laughs> might have come Dude, straight so- from the road warrior. Yeah, I mean, I, he looks like a dime store Freddie Mercury for sure. But I, I made a comment about like his chainmail vest, and Tammy's like, "That's not fucking chainmail. That's made out of like yarn. Like, look closer. It's like <laughs> a soft material. It's definitely not chainmail." So they basically designed a vest to look like chainmail, but when you look close, it's just made out. Of, it's like crocheted, so oh. it's super not tough. Fooled he looks, my eye. He looks <laughs> like he would be in the. He'd be an extra in the fucking Blue Oyster scene, in Police Academy. Yeah. That's what he looks like. He, yeah. he looks like a leather daddy a little bit. Um, and reading interviews, he didn't see it like like there's a lot of jokes and or, you know, theories about his character basically being a homosexual and he's in love with John Matrix and all of that fucking tracks when you watch this movie, except that he says that wasn't his intention playing the character. So <laughs> he's super, super unself-aware during during this role, I think. But whatever the case, fucking maybe that was 80s Australian uh, culture. Maybe, but yeah, this Bennett character is not, uh, well, we'll, we'll talk more about him. We're going to give you lots of thoughts about that fucking guy. So we get a scene where Matrix is tied down to a table and the bad guys explain their plan to us. This is the big expo dump of their plan. Yeah. James Bond style. Basically years prior, Matrix was involved in overthrowing a dictator in what we can assume is a small South American country called Valverde. The dictator he helped oust played by Dan Hedaya he's doing some serious fucking brown face in this movie. <laughs> like, like I'm pretty sure that literally he's got brown on his face. Like, I don't think that actor is normally brown like that. No, he wasn't in, uh, I mean, I'm more familiar with him from cheers. Actually. He was, really? uh, Carla on cheers. Uh, first Oh husband. yeah, totally, totally, totally. Yeah. Well, he's going for it here. And, uh, he, he explains to matrix that if he wants his daughter back, he's going to have to assassinate the sitting president of, D- of Valverde, putting the dictator back into power. So that's, that's the plan. And when they explained that they faked Bennett's death to get Kirby to lead them to matrix, I was like, what? Like <laughs> explain to me how they were following that helicopter. And then immediately started shooting out of the woods before the helicopter had even flown away. Were they in another fucking helicopter following in the distance and then landed and snuck up while Matrix and because Kirby's there for like 15 minutes, probably. Right. Like it just I I don't know. I was like, what? (laughs) Scotty was beaming him in off of the uh, Starship Enterprise. Yeah. I mean, back to my uh, previous point, you know, just let's get to the fucking action who cares if it makes any fucking sense but maybe i'm wrong maybe like the kirby scene there's like a lot that happened you know like 20 minutes of of unaired footage <laughs> you know i don't know I, I i don't think so i questioned it thoroughly uh 
speaking of General Kirby, let's uh, let's start intercutting scenes featuring Kirby finding bodies left behind by Matrix and then commenting on how it's going to get worse from there. Because we get three or four of these over the course of the movie, and I'm not going to fucking mention every one of them, but they happen pretty much every time Matrix leaves an area where he's killed people. There's like a scene after of Kirby discovering the bodies and being like, it's only going to get worse. <laughs> yeah, you haven't carnage. seen nothing yet. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. Just you wait. And apparently they cut some scenes of that, too. Some additional <laughs> uh, scenes of those. I'm not even joking. Well, they kept the golden ones. Yeah, they kept the fucking ones that were winners. So the next part of the dictator's plan is to put Matrix on a plane to Valverde. And uh, Sully, played by David Patrick Kelly, will escort him to the airport and make sure the plane takes off with him. And then Henriquez, played by Charles Meshik, will go with him on the plane. When Matrix tells Bennett, I'll be back, this is... I think the first post Terminator appearance of that line, yeah. and it is crazy shoehorned in. <laughs> like, like I'll be back, Bennett. I'll be back, Bennett. John, I'll be ready, John. Exactly. I'll, I'll be I'll be ready, I'll, John. <laughs> I'll be ready and waiting. <laughs> I'll have. <laughs> I'm not going to do any more accent there, but I just, my, my next thought is like all the sex toys that Bennett's going to have waiting for John when he gets back. Like I'll be waiting with open arms. Uh-huh. I'll be in the sex swing. So yeah, this is the first I'll be back post Terminator. This is the first ironic I'll be back there you go. that we get here. So w- many more over Schwarzenegger's career, but this is the fucking original ironic I'll be back. It's crazy to see how relaxed airport security was pre 9-11. Oh, like, yeah. these fucking guys are so suspicious. <laughs> yeah, they, they might as well have been just open carrying and driving a car through it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's fucking, it's nuts. But, uh, yeah, before getting on the plane, Matrix drops what might be my favorite line of this movie, and we're going to set the fucking odometer back to zero with this one. All the way back, okay. All the way back, dude, because it's that goddamn good. You're a funny guy, Sully. I like you. That's why I'm going to kill you last. <laughs> that, so... You know, we were talking about the tagline on the poster earlier. I saw a poster that actually had, like, he's going to kill you last okay, as, like, the tagline. And I I know it's, like, a fake poster that somebody made, like, years yeah. later as kind of a spoof. Oh but that would have been a fucking amazing poster. <laughs> it would have been better. <laughs> right? Either that or he lied. He's not going to kill you last. But either way, I love this fucking you're a funny guy, Sully. I like you. That's why I'm going to kill you last. <laughs> that shit is... Bananas. Well, and again, it set the bar for the whole one-liners. Yeah, yeah. It's again, not all of them work, but th- these. This, this one, one lands. is this one lands. Sensational. This, this one has yeah. a perfect landing. It's brilliant. Any any sins are omitted at this point <laughs> in my mind. Uh, I'm, I'm going to modernize uh, and I'm going to refer to to Sully as DPK. <laughs> DPK. D- DPK. David Patrick Kelly. Yeah, Tammy turned to me and said, if they made this movie t- today, Breckin Meyer would be a, a killer Sully. And I laughed because I'm like, fuck yeah, he would. Like his age right now, he'd be Sully in spades. Yeah. He could 100% could do Sully. <laughs> Hopefully a little bit nicer to women, but, you know, whatever. We'll get into that. <laughs> do you want to take a stab at how Matrix gets off the plane? Uh, okay, so this is this is where all... All facts, uh, all sense of gravity, physics, everything just takes a pause. You know, this is one of those moments where there's a there's there's a nice great scene was another one liner. Yeah, and um, he's seated next to uh, what what's the character Enrique Henriquez Henriquez, and he tells you know 
Arnold to, you know, to, to shut up or he's going to make him shut up. And John Matrix asks the stewardess for a pillow and a blanket, which <laughs> she, of course, cordially you know, obliges and brings uh-huh. them. In the meantime, he takes and uh, does kind of a stretch elbow slam to, to Henriquez and then drives his face forward and then reaches around and snaps his neck in, in the seat. <laughs> this is all while... It looked like it could be first class. It, it looked, it's surrounded it, I mean, by other know, fucking... He's definitely in, in a crowded airplane <laughs> where he now has assaulted and snapped a guy's neck. Yeah. He then he takes... committed and, murder right there in that, in, that air, in that airplane. Drapes a blanket over him, puts a pillow you know, there, and then takes his, his funky hat and dips it down over his face with delivering the one-liner of when the stewards... Oh, and do me a favor... Don't disturb my friend. He's dead tired. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's it fits. He's it's funny, tired. you yeah. know. It is funny. Then he gets up and uh, proceeds to the lavatory as they are starting to taxi to the runway. He's directed that, uh, you know, to, to take a seat. And I think he replies that he's got, what, indigestion? or He says, I'm air sick. I'm air sick. <laughs> Okay. He just says, I'm ass sick, and then continues to walk. Which then obviously buys him enough credibility to then continue on his way. Um, the part where I, so here's where I get confused right off the bat. Now, is this like a, are there two doors to this lavatory? Because he enters from, from the passenger side and then seems to exit the same lavatory <laughs> okay. into the cargo compartment. So he's not going into a lavatory. He's going. Some airplanes have elevators to get down to like the cargo area. Okay. So well, it does it, when, not seem to to explain. Yeah. No. That they to me. they don't sell the elevator. He basically gets into the elevator and then they just show his face as like and they do like a kind of gentle rock to him to make it seem like maybe he's moving down. <laughs> and then that's when the fucking theme music starts up real nice, like a real uh. nice fucking clip on that. Well, so now he's he's made his way off of the elevator, and he walks through some of the cargo <laughs> compartments. He reaches the side where it's a kind of a vinyl um, like a barrier. Yeah, it's like a tarp kind of thing that's dividing the area, which he's able to now penetrate with his super strong fingers and rip open, only to reveal what you know is a it looks like a Doberman pincher barking at him. <laughs> On the other side, get a, little, get a little jump scare. He gets, yeah, he gets that uh, that's that startle. Um, he proceeds to move past that, finds his way into the um, the landing compartment, the landing gear compartment, where yeah. the, the where the wheels are at, and it's open. He now climbs his way onto the back of the you know, the strut of the wheel of the plane as they are now approaching velocity to where they are actually going to go airborne. So They're going so fast, dude. Let's, They're let's, going so fast. Let's call that, you know, borderline 300 miles an hour yeah. or so, <laughs> yeah. of which he's he's holding on. I mean, his hair gel's holding on, um, <laughs> his hair staying in place, uh, and he makes his way... While holding up, as the plane starts to take off, he times it just right where he sees the, the swampy water at the end of the runway. He's going to let go of the strut and fall gently into this little swampy area. Now, as the plane proceeds, he falls in almost a straight vertical line down. <laughs> just straight down. <laughs> there is no continuation of momentum. 
He no. has just dropped like a stone. These shots don't line up. <laughs> there's, there's no physics applied here, and he, there's he would have he would have been catapulted probably about three hundred yards or, or more. <laughs> It would have been a fucking bug on the windshield. Exactly. A bug on the windshield. (laughs) In the trajectory of, you know, the the same line as the plane. And, but no, he drops straight like a stone, straight down into the water, and probably gets up and dusts himself off of the water. (laughs) And then then makes his way to what looks like emergency vehicles driving. He sneaks up behind them and climbs on the back of of a, you know, airport fire truck. (laughs) It's just this is this is how he's yeah. escaped the plane. Yeah, this is how he gets out of the plane. And before he gets on that fucking emergency veal, we get uh, the be- the beginning of a hilarious kind of uh, a well. We go back to a couple times where he looks at his watch and then it does a fucking close up like zoom of his watch, uh, yes. and then he sets his watch to eleven hours because that's how long the exactly. fucking flight is. He so he's got eleven hours to basically get back and save Jenny before you know they find out that he's he's snapped the neck of Henriquez and is not on the plane yes it it further solidifies the fact that he's a crack soldier yeah he's, he's able to synchronize fucking... his watch to a flight plan yeah and i'll tell you what man the, the like watch noises are hilarious they're so <laughs> loud and ridiculous and just nonsensical yes, like he's, really he's... overdone yeah you're able to hear them while there's other planes taking off yeah it's outrageous but uh yeah so he makes his way back to the airport thank you for that by the way i enjoyed that yeah no notes no notes. That was all off of top of his head. <laughs> I've got notes for everything I'm saying. I'm like, Dan, you go. <laughs> I think you could have kept going. I'm not going to lie. I think you could probably do the whole movie. Uh, so, yeah, he makes his way back into the airport, um, you know, doing like a Jackie Chan over some fences. And, you know, he's he's real. What's the word I'm looking for? He's spry. He's yeah, he's spry. He's creative. He's going to he's going to get where athletic, he needs to be. He's acrobatic. Uh huh. It didn't forget while, that he weighs like three fifty and is hundred percent muscle. <laughs> yes, all while flashing all those those biceps. He's so big, um, dude. He's enormous. Yeah. So, yeah. While he's making his way back to the airport, we get to see Sully's skill with the ladies on full display as he tries to pick up Radon <laughs> Chong, who plays a stewardess <laughs> named Cindy. So, uh, Sully's level of confidence while trying trying to pick up Cindy is outrageous to me. Like it's all in the shoulder pads of his suit. Dude, there's it just no, projects projects for him. No woman would ever respond positively to that guy saying those things. He's like he needs to be that. funny and charming. He can't just be like a fucking prick. He's like what five four maybe. I was say, wearing... he's, he's two inches shorter than she is. Well, I mean, she's wearing some some heels, but yeah. she's still he's still two inches shorter. He's than tiny. Her. He's a small. He's a diminutive fellow, and then he's wearing the most obnoxious suit. And his hair is ridiculous. I mean, I know it's probably era appropriate, but like, just why? Why would this work ever? Unless it's he's doing it to prostitutes, and he knows he's not. He's in a fucking airport hit, trying to hit a, a <laughs> stewardess. Like, it's a very he looks like. I don't a, know what he expected. He he looks like a, a sleazy Michael J. Fox uh, that he's being emulated. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I yeah I can see that. Like he's gonna push up the fucking sleeves of his jacket, exactly his suit jacket. Yeah, yeah, he uh, it's it's rough, but him following her to his to her car is enough for me to feel that his eventual fate was a hundred percent earned, even without the kidnapping of Jenny factored in. And that's that's my opinion. But uh, well, he yeah. promptly uh, tells her, you know, fuck off, which is or you know, fuck you, something along those lines. He calls her a fucking whore. There you go, and that's t- it's like way worse than anything that you just said. Like, yeah, well. 
and 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 when I was watching it again, it was reminiscent of today where you see um, people when they put like their screen caps of their text messages of where where somebody's like, "Hey, baby, you know, you look real fine in those photos, whatever." And then the girl just kind of shuts them down, you know, quietly. Yeah. <laughs> whatever, fucking whore. <laughs> It's uh, just like, like I mean, went from went from exactly like complete one eighty. You're beautiful. I'd kill to be with you. And then she's like, "I'm sorry, I'm not interested." And he's like, "I wouldn't want to be with a fat fuck like you anyway." Exactly. <laughs> like that's what it is. Yeah, it's it's pretty. It's like it was aggressive then. It's way more aggressive now. Like like she shoots him down and he goes, "You fucking whore!" Just like <laughs> and it's like wow. <laughs> like even like when I was a kid, I was like, "That's way aggressive." It was it was quite the turn, which shows how you know bipolar. Oh, <laughs> DPK he, is. He's got a problem. He's got some emotional issues. So I'd like bipolar. a like a Sully prequel. I'd like a Sully prequel. <laughs> like, let's hear about him and Enrique's being in the service. And well, yeah, I want to see Sully actually as a badass versus yes, yeah. <laughs> a bad Michael J. Fox clone. Yeah. And then he promptly hops into a yellow Porsche with um, you know, vanity license plate that says date rape on the back and drives off. <laughs> that would be amazing. I think it is actually a vanity plate, but I can't remember what it says. No, it wasn't. I wanted it to be, though. Oh, okay. But yeah, yellow Porsche. And uh, before Cindy can leave in her little red Sunbeam Alpine, which I had to look up, um, Matrix forces her to chauffeur him while on Sully's trail. And this involves him comically ripping the passenger seat out of her car so he can sit low while they follow Sully. Now, which... remember, remember, you know, he ripped that whole seat completely off. She looks at him with big bug eyes. Now, remember that later for when they're yes. when he's driving. In, indeed. We're gonna, we will we will discuss. Uh, so they they follow him uh, from LAX to Sherman Oaks, uh, the Sherman Oaks Galleria. Now, if you're from L.A., you know that that is not a chill drive. That is like you get on the freeway and you drive for about 45 minutes if traffic's good for about an hour and 20 minutes if it's not good and for three hours if it's bad. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it's not a casual like around the corner kind of drive like that's, it seems in the movie. That's nothing you know, to a professional editor like this guy. Exactly. This guy made that happen like in an instant. A little quick fact for you here. Another one. The Sherman Oaks Galleria has made many movie appearances and was where they filmed Fast Times at Ridgemont High's mall scenes. It's also where I was offered a job in 1995 at a store that only sold things made out of sheepskin. (laughs) And I'm not going to go into further detail there, but that is true. The mall was completely remodeled between 1999 and 2002 and is now more of like an open air outdoor type mall. It's not really indoor at all. There's like a little part that's sort of indoor, but not really. Um, and that they have an arc light theater there that Tammy and I frequented before Kova, uh, COVID, excuse me. <laughs> Kova. Kova. Yeah. That's what we'll call it when we, when we think back on it and laugh. Haha. Remember Kova? <laughs> but yeah, I, I miss going to the movies. By the way, you know, and that's 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 a that's a true sentiment too. I I went far less than you had been going in the last ten years, and um, yeah. I I definitely feel that that's something I I miss. Yeah, yeah, dinner and dinner and a movie, man. I I can't wait till I feel comfortable. I hope it comes back. Me too. Me too. Uh, so I'm not sure I'm comfortable even if they start. I mean, they've already started opening at 25% capacity right now. And I don't know that I'm there. I mean, I haven't had the vaccine yet, so I'm definitely not feeling great about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What follows here is probably my favorite set piece in the movie. I know I keep saying things like that. And then this is why this movie is still the, the odometer is at a zero. The odometer <laughs> might actually be above now. It might actually be in the green. Now we, you know, we reset when he said, I'll kill you last. And then, 
It dipped down in the red again when he jumped off the plane. How about but, how about with Sully's you know date rape quotes? I mean, listen, that doesn't really ruin the movie for me. It just makes me want to punch Sully in his fucking face. Okay. You know what I mean? Like that's it, it. Just makes him deserve what he's gonna get. But we'll we'll get there. I, like I said, this next scene here is probably my favorite set piece in the movie. Um, Sully is meeting a contact at a bar slash restaurant in the mall to get some passports or some shit. And uh, Matrix quickly explains to Cindy that Jenny has been kidnapped and that he needs to grab Sully without letting him contact his boss or Jenny will die. Uh, he asks Cindy to go to, into the bar and get Sully to come out with her so that Matrix can snatch him up, basically, is the plan. Yeah, this is where Sully walks into Kerwin's uh, for Swingles Night. <laughs> is it a Kerwin's? Is that the name of it? Yeah, I believe that's did, the name of it. Did you make a mental note? Fantastic. I didn't bother <laughs> well, with that. Well, my swim coach was Coach Kerwin, so... Oh, it jumped right out at you. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, before we get to the action, I need to mention a throwaway line that Sully has here where he tells the guy that selling him passports that the bar, quote, used to be a great place for hunting slash. It's got a little crowded now. That line, like, it's it's terrible, right? Like, it's a terrible it's, thing to say. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. It's so funny to me. And, I've, you know, you know from years that I've been quoting that line to the point where I've got one of our mutual friends talking about like good places to hunt slash ironically like jokingly he'll say that to me i don't know that he's seen this and i don't know that he knows that that's, <laughs> this is where that line is from but he's been quoting commando for like the last 10 years i've known him <laughs> but yeah i love that i mean it's terrible it's gross obviously but hunting slash especially I, in in david patrick kelly's voice oh yeah you know, yeah he, now that we know like what level he'll kinda, go to the depravity that, that, yeah, that voice like, it used to be a good place for hunting slash. Getting a little crowded today, though. And then that's the moment where he sees Radon Chong in the background. And it, and without, you know, my first thought is, what the fuck is she doing here? Like, right. like that. he's like, ooh. like Found me my, something I like. Exactly. He's like, ooh, she came around to my charm and my wit. Yeah, she made it all the way to the airport to, to Kerwin's for Swingles Night. <laughs> exactly. She like, what, what are the odds that you're going to go from LAX and end up at the fucking Kerwin's in the Sherman Oaks Galleria like <laughs> an hour later in the same place that this guy is? Yeah, Sully's a moron. But uh, anyway. <laughs> well, so he was Special of, Forces and he was trained for all this sort of thing. So this is understandable. I think all he said was that him and Henriquez met in the service too. He never says. I think he was probably just a fucking you know, private, say, fucking a cook. In, you know, he was a cook in the yeah, mess exactly. Hall. He's peeling potatoes. I don't think he was you know <laughs> doing any missions. Uh, so instead of pulling Sully for Matrix, Cindy tells a mall cop about him kidnapping her, which leads to another of my favorite moments in this fucking movie, when a different mall cop tells a group of women he's flirting with, "Want to see me kick some ass?" Oh my god, this I is... love that. It, this is again that moment where you have to suspend disbelief that that these women are hanging on every word that that the mall oh, cop is it. saying. I want to see me and, as well as ass. follow him to what you know is a quote unquote mall security call <laughs> to see him kick some ass, kick some ass. Oh yeah. my god! So I mean, again, warning: suspend all disbelief watching this film. Yeah. Uh, before we get to the inevitable action here, can I ask, why is Arnold so sweaty before anything has happened? He just got done driving an hour from LAX to Sherman Oaks with the top down. He should be bone dry right there, but he's fucking moist. Yeah, it could be, I don't know, maybe they have nerves. Another, yeah, I mean, <laughs> he's nervous. <sighs> <laughs> it's just the stress of like he worrying was, about his You dog. know, it was, it was, it was rough. He, he 
had to put the car seat back in. She got mad at him and made him put the car. And it was sweating <laughs> in all, that in the mall parking lot. He like worked up a lot. sweat. Yeah, putting the car seat back in. Uh, so <laughs> it's easier to rip it out than put it back in, baby. Yeah, there's a there's a great moment where Matrix like sort of half hides behind the column while he's watching the ball <laughs> the bar entrance. <laughs> like, like well, I hope they didn't see me right there, dude. You're like 400 pounds of muscle. You're like my three year old daughter bigger. hides better behind a tree than yeah, he dude. Does. He's bigger than that column. It's it's <laughs> wild. But the the fucking one of the best things here is when the mall cops approach him, he like slow turns to look at the cops, and it's so fucking funny. Like just the look on his face, the way he turns, everything about it is gene. It's like. All the sins of editing before are now... We're back to zero on the odometer, bro. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm telling you, like, I'm in. Just right here in this moment. <laughs> when he slow turns right there, I'm like, all right, I'm back with you. Everything before is forgotten. I forgive you for everything. This is a big motherfucker. Attention all units. Emergency on a theater level. Suspect, six foot two, brown hair. One gigantic motherfucker. One gigantic motherfucker. Yeah, the, these these mall security guys are fucking great. I mean, not great in a, in a, a real <laughs> way, but great in like a hilarious uh, kind of unintentionally. Maybe a little intentionally, though. Um, who can tell? It's hard to say. In this movie, it's hard to say when it's intentionally funny and when it's unintentionally funny. <laughs> like, it, it's a very fine line that they just cross like willy-nilly. They don't give a fuck. One foot on either side, dick swinging back and forth. Yeah. They don't care. Uh, again, when we get to the end and we give our reviews, keep that in mind because, uh, you know, I think you know where I'm going with this. But <laughs> so Matrix proceeds to rumble with every security guard in the fucking mall, causing enough commotion that Sully sees him and takes off looking for a payphone. Uh, Sully and his passport selling friend are then both like shooting indiscriminately into the crowd unnecessarily I might add that guy with the passports could have just walked out of there and been fine <laughs> exactly. but he comes out guns blazing and is immediately it's like a killed. western you know the, the, yeah. the saloon doors swing open and he's it's <laughs> it's wild it's it's chaos um, I, I guess seeing Sully's reaction was enough to convince Cindy that Matrix's story was legitimate because she knocks a cop down the stairs to save him from being shot like minutes later. And I, in that moment, I was like, what did she see that like made her that sympathetic where she's going to fucking commit assault on a police officer? She she saw it written in the script. Uh, also, he's he's huge and muscular. So maybe she's just into that. We, we don't know for sure. Um, so, anyway. So, yeah. So here's you know an, an, another thing these these are at this point we presume unarmed mall cops racing towards us the guns are going off and more co- mall cops are like get them and they're all running around with like you know their their fists and you know maybe a baton and that's it. Like, i don't think <laughs> they're gonna, like, as opposed to like you know the reality of it where everyone be like duck and cover you know it's, yeah yeah no th- this is a gang of mall cops there's way there's more mall cops in that mall than i've ever seen in any mall ever th- there's probably more in that moment than would be on payroll altogether oh yeah i mean i i worked as a mall cop for about three days once and there was like <laughs> five of us total and it was a big fucking mall in georgia it was like an outlet mall like a yeah. big place so yeah there's a lot of they they you know, it's all the same stuntmen replaying all the same roles, I'm pretty sure. But no, if you look at that stuntman list at the end of the movie, man, there's about 400 people listed. Oh, they definitely had a lot, but they, <laughs> he killed about 400 people over the course of this That's movie, true. so they needed them. 
Uh, what was I talking about? Well, oh, he rips um, the phone booth. Yeah, I was going to say exactly. He rips the, basically Sully makes it to a phone booth, and Matrix's answer is to rip the phone booth out of the floor and throw it across the room <laughs> while Sully's inside. After Sully's shot through the glass at Matrix, he just keeps on charging. There's another great editing moment there, too, where, like, you see Matrix shaking the phone booth, like, with Sully in it, and he's shaking it in a certain, like, way, like, there's a certain rhythm to his shake, and then it cuts to, like, Sully's point of view of looking out of the phone booth at Matrix, and suddenly he's shaking it, like, three times as fast, making a crazy face, and then they cut straight back outside to show him, you know, shaking it slowly again, and then they cut back (laughs) in for another shot of him shaking it, and it's like... Why didn't you just match the the velocity that he's shaking it for both both shots? Like no continuity. Why? It's it's like they filmed it on different days and couldn't remember <laughs> what he was doing. That's what it felt like to me. Yeah. So the odometer's slowly dipping back into the red here a little. The second unit came in and started shaking the the. the top That's what it, it felt like. It felt like it was yeah. It's it was a weird editing choice there i don't like it watching that in this moment i was like i wish they would have just cut those shots of arnold's like face shaking it out because it doesn't match anything else we're seeing here so Um, so again let's point out now he he basically picks up and shoulder throws the the phone booth with a with a grown man in it yeah next question i have is shortly after he tries to make his escape by pulling on what looks like to be kind of like a a balloon type of decoration yeah, it's like hanging. a vinyl balloon that's right. like super long. But he he has he has the the sheer strength to to pick up and and hurl <laughs> a grown man in a telephone booth. But he struggles with this balloon decoration to rip, to rip it to rip it off so he can use it as like a fucking Tarzan vine. Exactly. He's he struggles with that. That's the only well, he part was we tired. see him struggle. The, uh, <laughs> he was tired after throwing the phone it. booth. I'm not buying it. <laughs> No. I love that fucking the swing too. And also, if you like look at the swing, you know you can see the stunt man. It's like a different guy wearing a fucking Arnold wig, and it it, it looks obnoxious. Um, you can also see the contraption that he's holding underneath that orange decoration you're describing. It kind of looks like a zip line handle mm-hmm. that he's holding when he swings. Like you can see it clear as fucking day without even pausing it or slowing it down. <laughs> you can see it. So they they that was a one and done. That was like a one take. We got it. Let's move on. Let's not accidentally kill our stuntman swinging across the Sherman Oaks Galleria. Yeah, you mentioned the 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 stand-in stuntman with the with the wig and whatnot. There's there's another moment, and I I can't pinpoint it right now, but it's around this time where he goes and he's going to be running. And it shows it shows his his stuntman do a flip and and then kind of keep going and running. He's running at three times the pace that when they bring Arnold back into the shot, Arnold's at a slow jog, <laughs> and the stuntman is like full on sprinting and well, moving clearly with. I mean, the the amount of bulk is just so different he's, between you know the stuntman so and himself. He's so big. He's so big. Yeah. He's he's so big, dude. It doesn't. It's like it doesn't get bigger. He's he's enormous. The the mall cops were right. He's a gigantic motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So as you mentioned, he fucking swings across the the mall from the ceiling on a decoration. He lands on top of the elevator that Sully's in. Sully escapes from the mall, lays a patch in his Porsche. Matrix gives chase in Cindy's car, but not before she gets in front of him and demands he take her with him. And I get the filmmakers are really trying to give us some like romance and chemistry here between these characters, but like, why would she want to go with him? Like, other than I gotta see what that dick looks like. Yeah, I mean that, and she thinks she'll never get this this car that she's very much attached to, even missing yeah. the seat. 
her little alpine. Yeah, it's, it's, there's there's it's no <laughs> there's no rational rational explanation as to why anyone, man or woman, would get in this car and say, "I want to come with." Yeah, bring me with to where obviously there's going to be more bullets and fucking danger. And I, I, you know, let's play the game. She wants to help him save his daughter. Okay, I guess that's the game we're playing. Odometer is like hovering now in the red. It's it's <laughs> we need we need another fucking another boost here. Hopefully coming soon. So, and uh, spoiler alert, it's coming soon. <laughs> Uh, Matrix and Cindy give chase and eventually run Sully off the road up uh, in the hills above Sherman Oaks. And uh, at the same time, Matrix crashes Cindy's car into a telephone pole. Um, This is, I'm sure, what you were talking about with the seat being missing, because Cindy is sitting in the passenger area that no longer has a seat, very obviously not wearing a seatbelt. And they hit that fucking telephone pole like at a clip, dude, like no brakes at all. There's two parts to it. So she's, she's sitting there and... Previously, when Arnold was in the passenger side with no seat, he was shorter than her. Okay, shorter than her in the car profile. Now, because there's no passenger seat, right? Yeah. And now she is at the same height as he is while driving yeah. the car in the passenger seat. So they they threw some phone books down. Yeah, they, they, <laughs> give her a little boost. She's, a she's, seat. She must be kneeling or something. Yeah, exactly. Know, or half squatting in the car. They stopped it at Denny's and got her a booster seat. <laughs> But you're right. With a seatbelt, she would have knocked her teeth out. Seriously, no airbags. They There's no brakes. Uh, they wrap around that fucking telephone pole with oh, the yeah. hood of this car. They, and they make a V out of the hood. And it's the clear, it's that editing thing where like you have kind of a sort of uh, top thirds view down of the car hitting the phone pole. And then a quick cut in where they're both like, they just pretended to be Ooh. like jostled. Ooh. Like... <laughs> Like, and then, you know, he's like, turns to her like, you're okay. You know, and she's like, yeah, like, no, you're not. Like, you would have been out that fucking car flying through the air <laughs> into the canyon. Like, you're not surviving that. Yeah. It, it was because, outrageous. Again, no seatbelt, no seats, nothing. You know, yep. doesn't nothing. matter that he would have done like, you know, the, the short stop. <laughs> where, where right. He, he like, put out, his yeah. arm out like she's a kid. Oh, he stopped yeah. short. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, it's out of control. It's out of control. Um. But as I alluded to minutes ago, we get another one of the film's most memorable moments here. Well, Sully's car is flipped over, right? It's on its side. Yeah. It basically went up the side of kind of a hill and then ended up on its side. So, you know, Matrix pulls Sully out of his fucking car. He frisks him real fast and finds some like a, a motel key on him. And then he proceeds to carry Sully over to the edge of a cliff and dangle him over the cliff with one leg and, you know, make like jokes basically which honestly this whole scene like when arnold's like i gotta remind you sully this is my weak arm like all that shit made me laugh even though i've seen this movie like you know a bunch of times it's still fucking funny his like his glee and joy in basically torturing this fucking guy is pretty fantastic considering what a piece of shit sully is but uh yeah we get the famous fucking line to me this is the one where he basically says remember sally when i promised to kill you last that's what made you you did i lied you get the great sully scream as he descends down into the canyon to meet his uh his doom and yeah th- there's nothing wrong with that scene that <laughs> there is there's one is part there? that's wrong you're gonna talk about the car I'm, no i'm gonna talk about okay Shang. and she now mysteriously knows sully's name because she now asks she asks john what happened what what, what happened to sully I think that he mentioned Sully when he told her to go into the bar. 
I don't think not, not by name. Let's pause it and let's let's take a look. Yeah, you're 100 percent right. He doesn't he doesn't say Sully. He just says him over and over again. So yeah, yeah she she just she, she magically knows his name. I mean, listen, he he looks like a scumbag. Sully is a good like <laughs> scumbag name. Like I mean, Monsters you know. Inc. hasn't come out yet. So. <laughs> she intuited it. No, you're not wrong. She just uh, she just knows his name. Just, so she I, knows she knows his name. Now, what I was saying is, I'm I'm drawing an inference that she knows his name because he just said, "Remember, Sully? You know, when I told you I'd kill you last." That's the only point in which she could have overheard him refer to him as Sully. But yeah. she's now questioning what happened to him when he said, I let him go. It's right. She's clearly okay with that and does not understand that, that he just fell to his death. So <laughs> so you're saying she, she, she was close enough to hear him talk to Sully and then obviously hear Sully scream when he was drunk. Completely oblivious to the fact but that yeah, this man when, when Arnold says, I let him go. He's... And, and on top yeah. of it, does, was she like sitting with her back turned to the whole thing to know how close to the cliff? <laughs> like the idea that she wouldn't be watching, that she would just be oh, sitting. Oh my in god! The, like she would have yeah. been looking. Like she would have been there. Like she's watching the movie herself. Watching. Right. <laughs> it's a little weird. Yeah, it it doesn't make sense. Yeah, there's no sense in that. That said, though, like everything else about the fucking, I lied. The I lied is is gold. Uh, yeah, it is. It's again. It now becomes. It, He's he's clearly developing a signature style for the, you know the mid to late '80s action film. Yeah, for sure, and it's still charming to me. The 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 I lied. <laughs> it's just very I, like I said. This scene's very funny to me. But now you you've ruined it because of Radon <laughs> Chong being a fucking psychic. Well, and, and the thing is, like these these lines again. He's developed this whole you know ideal of of the action hero and and they've been lampooned and and you know mocked and everything years later but you're right it still holds holds a, a candle to itself there it's 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 got some charm it's still got some flair uh unfortunately you know one of the most famous gaffes in the movie which is what i thought you were talking about it comes right here when he basically flips car, sully's car back onto its tires and then they get in it and lay a patch and in the shot right there you can see the side that was laying on the ground is pristine never been touched <laughs> obviously either a different car or filmed before they put that yeah. shit on the side um you know the porsche is fucked up in the scene after that when they arrive wherever they arrive but just for one shot, the Porsche is like perfect, and it's just like, come on, really? Like- there's there's so many moments in this film where they use things for a matter of convenience. So, like you said, they filmed it probably, you know, those two parts together, so that they didn't really have to like film it back to back driving away. Like, I mean, there's a part where they sneak into, uh, you know, the the bad guys compound, <laughs> and everything of the landscape of this place happens to be within you know the, the confines of the edges of the screen when it right. you know so yeah it's nuts yeah uh well so they get to sully's motel and while they're searching the room that's when bill duke arrives bill duke again man <laughs> everything bill duke touches in this movie is, it's it's fantastic to me it's gold cindy poses as sully's companion for the evening and lets bill duke in which leads to a fight between matrix and cook and another of my favorite lines from the movie Cook says, You scared, motherfucker? 
Well, you should be, because this Green Beret's going to kick your big ass. To which Matrix replies, I eat Green Berets for breakfast. And right now, I'm very hungry. Everything about that, from like the weird too formal phrasing of right now I am very hungry, to the fact that he throws a punch while saying it, is genius level. Odometer back to zero. Odometer back to zero, motherfucker. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll remark on that later, but... Okay, I love it. So during the fight, Cook and Matrix bust through the door to the next motel room, and we get our obligatory 80s tits. <laughs> I did not not remember there was tits, but still I was like, oh, there's tits coming up. I forgot about the tits. Like, the 80s tits are coming, you know? Here's something that Tammy pointed out to me. Again, Tammy paying way more attention than I ever did. She's like, was there a video camera set up right there? And I like went back and they the couple that's in the next hotel room has a video camera set up, like recording their sexcapades, which, you know, for all the things that this movie's not paying attention to and all the details it doesn't give a fuck about, that it added, that it cared about. Like, they gave these people a backstory. <laughs> I was very shocked by that. Well, was and it also shocked I'd never noticed it. I mean, think about it from perspective. I mean, <laughs> it might have been just a convenient accident. <laughs> they're like, oh, you guys are filming here? We're filming here. <laughs> yeah, could be, could be, could be. I feel like it was more deliberate, but maybe. But it's pretty funny either way. And I can't believe I'd never noticed that the previous, you know, multiple dozen times I've seen this fucking movie or whatever. I've never noticed that. So kudos to my wife. Uh there's also a great moment where Cook gets his gun from the floor and he says, fuck you, asshole, before pulling the trigger. And then when the gun is empty, Matrix retorts with his own, fuck you, asshole. <laughs> and then the fight starts again. <laughs> like the ri- the level of ridiculous is definitely at 11 in this fucking scene. Fuck you, asshole. Click. <laughs> I, it's pretty funny. Fucking whore. <laughs> Exactly. So eventually Matrix uppercuts Cook onto a metal pole that was broken off in, you know, a nearby wall, uh, impaling and killing him. And Cindy and Matrix search Cook's car to find an invoice for aircraft fuel. And we're basically doing like a scavenger hunt at this point. This this whole section of the movie in terms of like plot really didn't didn't make sense to me totally. Like not at all. You know, they find an invoice for a fuel depot. This part didn't make sense. <laughs> It was this this is where this is where they lost you, Lou. It was at this moment that I was like, huh? <laughs> this is where you started to question it. It took me. Where this she long. all of a sudden is able to tell No, what type of what type of plane, what that it's amphibious. She's what a kind of range attendant. it has. She's a flight attendant who also is taking classes, flying classes at night, which are, you know, very affordable. (laughs) So she can obviously identify if it's amphibian flight fuel (laughs) based on a, based on like a number. Oh, Um, and, and, and know the exact, you know, range that you can fly on just based upon the purchase on the invoice. Yeah. The amount, the amount of fuel purchased. She can tell you that's 250 miles worth of amphibian aircraft fuel. Oh man. I don't, I don't feel like it. Any any student, you know, taking private lessons is paying that much attention. <laughs> she's committed, dude. She wants to do this for a no, living. No, and she says it so calmly, <laughs> and it just rolls right off her tongue. Yeah, almost like it's scripted. Uh, 
So they take Cook's car and they head for this fucking fuel depot. And once there, they break in and yada yada their way to finding out that Jenny is being held on an island off the coast of Santa Barbara. The scene is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Like I said, they, they use... They, they they come upon a chain gate, which of course you know he he gnaws the chain off with his teeth, <laughs> <laughs> and now he break he breaks the chain with his you know his muscular strength. Yes, and they 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 sneak in. He had an easier is, time know, with that chain than he did with the decoration at the mall. Exactly, it just snaps right <laughs> off. I apologize. So, Continue. So he sneaks in. He's able to shimmy up a pole. He rips off some corrugated steel. <laughs> like No worry about the sound it's going to make when it hits the ground. No, and he, he just lets it drop. <laughs> yep. <Just laughs> so pitches he's, it. he's hiding in, in kind of a lofted area over, over some bad guys. But in the meantime, you know, now he sneaks in and uh, finds his way into a map room where now he finds one guy alone and whacks him and puts him in a closet. And then pulls Radon Chong through a window. He pulls Cindy through a window. She just happened to be at the exact right window where she needed to be. They do this whole thing in, in you know, determine the maps, find the range, know the, know the flight range of, of a Cessna or whatever, <laughs> and, then, and then exit back to the exact same shot <laughs> where they entered in. So, so in the filming of this movie, they walk in. <laughs> All right, cut. All right, now walk back. All right, cut. <laughs> I mean, it's well, probably the same enough. thing. It's the same thing they do with Sully's car. You know, oh, like let's let's yeah. show it drive in. Let's turn around, and show it drive out. So, but wait, there's supposed to be damage becomes, on the door. Where, where's the ten million dollar budget going for? <laughs> It's just obviously oh, explosion the, upon explosion. All the explosions in the next scene here. Explosions and squibs, dude. <laughs> yeah and also arnold had like a a huge trailer with gym equipment and he i would imagine had a huge per diem to have all of his bodybuilder friends come and lift weights <laughs> with him on set and i'm not even fucking joking yeah cra- the craft services must have been off the off the hook yeah for sure just all fucking metrics bars <laughs> <laughs> bunch of raw eggs everywhere uh-huh slabs of beef yeah <laughs> So before uh, before they can they can head towards the fucking island, they need to hit a gun shop, which involves Matrix driving through the front wall with a bulldozer to get in. They don't they yada yada him getting the bulldozer running and where it was. It's not even a yada yada. It's a yada. He can just <laughs> he can just hot wire the bulldozer. Like they don't even show him. It, it, do they don't show him finally. It just literally there's a gun shop and then Arnold driving a bulldozer. <laughs> He's just driving way. a bulldozer. It's uh yeah. It's maybe there's a scene cut out there for time. I don't know, but. Yeah, because um, they left all those other ones in that were gold. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, they load the cars, the car with guns, and uh, but then Matrix, before he can unload his final cart, the police show up and catch Matrix red-handed, and somehow they miss Cindy. This is after he found this secret back room. Yeah, you know he's in this back room they that he found where all the like good shit is, but somehow the cops didn't see Cindy sitting in the car full of fucking guns outside <laughs> with a rocket launcher in her lap. Right. Right, so they just they basically put Matrix in a paddy wagon and drive away, and then she follows them in the fucking uh, car, and she frees Matrix by shooting the van he's in with a fucking rocket launcher. <laughs> First, she's holding the rocket lo- rocket launcher backwards and, and destroys a bus stop behind her, which is kind of funny. It's ridiculous. But then you know she shoots the fucking police van. And it knocks it on its side, and it creates a Arnold Schwarzenegger-sized hole in the back door. <laughs> and I'm just like, how is that a good plan? Like, 
using a fucking rocket launcher, shooting the fucking van with a rocket launcher and thinking like, oh, this will help him escape. <laughs> like, I, I I feel like shooting a nearby building with a rocket launcher and then the police are distracted and stop and get out to see what happened or like try to figure out what's going on would have been like a slightly better plan, even though it wouldn't have been any more effective, really. Um, she might have been angry at the, the two police officers because they were kind of skeezy on her. I guess, but she shot the fucking van that Arnold's in. It's One a, referred to her as a hooker. That's true. Well, I mean, <laughs> it's justifiable. <laughs> Never mind. You're right. She should have shot the rocket launcher at them. Maybe she didn't give a fuck about saving Matrix. She was just like, fuck these guys and shot him with a <laughs> rocket launcher. And he's just like, you know, happened to work out. I don't, I don't know. Well, she shot backwards first and then forwards and and was a perfect shot when she needed to be. Yeah, well, you know, it's Cindy, right? She can fucking spot, you know, how far a plane can go on fuel, and she can shoot rockets exactly where she needs them to go, and she can fucking... She's able to ESP somebody's name. Uh Uh-huh. But not know that they're dead. No, no, just that their name is Sully. (laughs) So they make their way back to the dock, Cindy and, and Matrix now, where the amphibian plane is, and, of course, another gunfight breaks out. And, like... I mean, in the 80s, everyone was real quick to start shooting machine guns at whatever. Those guys didn't, at that point, they couldn't have known if these, if Matrix and Cindy were legitimate or not. It's all dark. They're just people on a dock, and these guys just immediately start shooting machine guns at them. Well, here's the thing. They're using the muzzle fire as flashlights to, to see what's going on. <laughs> that makes sense. They couldn't get flashlights for this, so they needed to just let off a few rounds so they could light up the dock and see what's going on. It you was know, very much innocent. Like, yeah, much like Pump Up the Volume, you're really putting this film into perspective for me. <laughs> I mean, maybe the, the odometer is back to zero, brother. Thank you. Oh, oh my Nailed God. it. During the flight here, there's a brief scene where the Coast Guard warns them away from sh- from a, like a shooting range or something, and it's only noteworthy because Bill Paxton is playing one of the Coast Guards. <laughs> That's and, and it's so weird, just so random. It's fantastic. It's like. <laughs> It's like, there he is. He was in Terminator, too, you know, like in a bit part, blink and you miss him kind of thing. Uh, we also get some terrible green screen-esque effects on the out of the plane window as, San, as Cindy and Matrix land in the water. Oh, it, It's bad. It's like, like very, I mean, we're back to the high school student making a movie with his friends. Like, it's rough. Yes. It's rough. But, you know, 80s, I guess. They had to, you know, they had to save their money so they could pay for all those explosions coming up here in the next scene. You're pretty forgiving. I am, I know. Listen, you remember when I told you I'd kill you last, Dan? I lied. <laughs> Did you lie? I lied. I fucking lied. I feel compelled to mention that I've, I've, been, I've been leaving out a bunch of scenes they cut in of Bennett talking to the dictator about Matrix where it becomes less and less clear if Bennett hates Matrix or wants to fuck him. Like, it's basically just cuts to Bennett, and Bennett says, like, you're underestimating this guy. You know, that kind of stuff. Like, just basically just like, oh, if Matrix wants to kill you, he's going to kill you. There's nothing you can do to stop him. Like, all right, well, then why do we kidnap his daughter then, bro? Like, wasn't there someone else that we could get? Like, like why do we get this killing machine, like, on you know, basically he's a the, vendetta against he's us? He's the only guy that the new president trusts. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, I really, I really do think Bennett is in love with Matrix, and he's like, "This guy is straight. I have no chance of ever making this happen. So if I can't have him, no one will." I think that's what's going on here. Really, I don't care what Vernon Wells says. It could, it could be some some unrequited love. Yeah. 
So, but do you think? Oh, go ahead. Going back, do you think that this this role catapulted Bill Paxton into his role in Aliens the next year? No. You think James Cameron saw saw Commando and said, "No, this is the guy I want being a being a Marine." No, I think James Cameron saw him in Terminator and was like, "Oh, this guy's got something. I'm going to bring him back in the future and let him read for something bigger." <laughs> I, <don't, laughs> I think that I think they worked on a movie together. <laughs> But I don't know. I wasn't there, so maybe. I think this is what brought him back to memory, man. Maybe. Could be. It was like out of sight, and then all of a sudden he saw him as a Coast Guard. He's like, oh, shit. He looks good in a fucking military suit. I'm going to make him a space marine. (laughs) I don't know. Game over, man. So uh, next we get Matrix. It was right there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, next, we get Matrix loading up a rubber raft with supplies while at the same time wearing a little black Speedo, as you had mentioned earlier. And uh, there's a fun moment here where Matrix tells Cindy not to break radio silence. And uh, he basically says, Don't break radio silence until they see me. How will I know? Because all fucking hell is going to break loose. I like that line. <laughs> I, it's nothing flashy. It's no, you remember when I told you I'd kill you last, but. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't have that flair panache, but like at the same time, it could be you know they might see him in his in his bikini. I mean, the, that, that could be why all hell that looks exactly. It's like a dance party. It's not the kind of hell she was expecting. It's like disco balls fall from the ceiling, and everybody's like, "Let's do this." No, I I think that's one of <laughs> I think that's one of Arnold's most naturally read lines. Is that all fucking hell's gonna break loose? Line there. I think that's one of the moments where he's probably acting the best in this in this movie. Yeah. Well, it's also it, it it smacks of somebody who, with English as their second language, who when they use um, expletives, the way they use them, it, it definitely seemed to fit him. How it, probably he used it in everyday yeah. life. It could have been a fucking improv on his part, you know. I wouldn't count on it though. <laughs> I don't know if you caught it, but there's a quick cut of him landing on the beach where he gets out of the boat and he's wearing what looks like white shorts. And then a second later, they cut back and he's wearing the black Speedo again. It's like they had second unit film, like a far away shot of him landing on the beach. But they didn't have Arnold. So they just got like some random fucking guy staying around and just oh, threw on some fucking white shorts, stuck him in the boat. It, it's it's funny because it's like a second and Tammy's like, wait a minute, why were his shorts white? And I was like, I don't know. Why are you paying so much attention? God damn it. You're ruining this movie for me. So then we get our obligatory A-team montage uh, of him putting himself together on the beach. Not really. It's not a full A-team not really. montage. Yeah, it's not really. <laughs> Say that again. It's not a full A-team montage. No, no, it's not. But it's the closest we're going to get in this movie, and I just want to throw that fucking music in one more time. Tammy made a joke about the face paint is like, you know, he's putting on his face like Blanche from Golden Girls getting ready for a date, you know, like he's got to he's got to like put this fucking black shit on his face. I kind of get it, but like it just is designed to look cool more than anything else. Right. Yeah. I don't really think that that's going to take much of a, a camouflage effect. Yeah. Just, the two lines. just black lines across like zebra stripes, basically. Like I didn't see that huge zebra shaped guy. <laughs> It appears to, to much a greater effect than the Predator. So It makes more sense in like a dense juggle like that, you know, where you're breaking up the, the, the form of the body. But he's just like, yeah. he's walking around a fucking gl- an estate, you know, it's like a... Is, yeah, he starts on a beach, <laughs> and then he's 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 on he's on somebody's vacation yeah, home. Uh, with barracks. Somehow there's barracks there, too. 
Yeah. We get a quick little interlude where we see the plane that Matrix is supposed to be on, you know, with Henriquez's landing. And then we see the goons waiting for for them to get off the plane. And then we see them watching Henriquez's body being carried off the plane, which uh, it's not supposed (laughs) to be funny, but it's kind of funny. The idea of like the last person out of the plane is being carried (laughs) off on a stretcher under a tarp. (laughs) See now, here's here's another thing, that, and this is a reoccurring motif throughout the film that the fact that these these guys coming to meet them at the plane are you know henchmen of some variety. They in no way, shape, or form again look tough. They look like they literally are day workers that were just yeah. you know hired hired for twenty bucks. Hey, can you go pick these guys up at the airport? No, none of these bad guys are tough no. by any means. One of the bad guys that you're talking about was wearing flip flops. Why would you wear flip flops yeah, to go and deal with like a potential, you know, killer fucking commando that like, mu- <laughs> like, why would you be wearing flip flops knowing that that's who you're picking up? <laughs> what the fuck, man? Just think oh. a little ahead. You know, yeah. at least put on some fucking shell tops or something. <laughs> it's very confusing to me that Tammy's like, is that guy barefoot? And I'm like, no, it's worse. He's wearing flip flops. <laughs> most practical footwear ever uh-huh anytime you need to like transport somebody whose daughter you fucking kidnapped and that <laughs> probably wants to kill you a re- yeah a reluctant reluctant passenger yeah let's go ahead and throw those flip-flops <laughs> on a huge motherfucker he yeah he's probably you know what he probably couldn't find his crocs so he's just like all right well the flip-flops will do i don't know but <laughs> so you get my point though i do i do it's nonsense um also that guy was so sweaty the guy with the flip-flops was so sweaty. It's humid down there, man. It is. Even though they filmed that at Long- in Long Beach. They filmed that at the Long Beach airport. They made it look very uh, run-down and... Valverde-esque. Yeah, Valverde. Um, so, yeah, we know they see Henriquez is dead, and they know the fucking time is up. We don't need to see the, the watch countdown to zero, even though I, I think we probably do. But Beeping like the clock in 20 Yeah, exactly. No more beeping. Um this next scene, I don't really feel like I want to do a play-by-play on it. It's basically just him sneaking around, setting charges all over the compound. And then it's chaos with him double-fisting assault rifles while shooting from the hip and bad guys doing twist flips every time something explodes. And I'm thinking, like, did Matrix... <laughs> Not just shooting from the hip. He's, like, stirring yeah, it it's, as he shoots. It's like he's barely hanging on. It's He's, he's like water skiing with these fucking machine guns like it's exactly. it's wild but i also wonder like does matrix have a twist flip mod on his grenades because every time he throws a grenade <laughs> the, the bad guys do twist flips again maybe it's it's in uh a nod to the a-team yeah oh, yeah the a-team with the twist flips and the wilhelm scream for sure <laughs> just keep playing that fucking music any chance we get um nothing about the explosions of these buildings makes any fucking sense based on where he put those charges and it looks like the buildings are made of matchsticks when they explode like it's 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 like they spent a lot of money but they didn't really spend it wisely is how it feels to me you know (laughs) exactly let's let's get the the biggest bang we can have and then blow up a balsa wood building (laughs) like they bought that building at ikea like fuck it it's cheap we can blow up 30 or 40 of these and it's not going to cost that much this is the same wood I used to build all my little model airplanes when I was exactly. a kid. <laughs> it looked good. You know the paddle that comes with a ball attached by a little rope? Yeah. That's what these fucking things are made out of, yep. that paddle wood. It's, it's I don't know, dude. <laughs> I don't know anything about guns, really, but I feel like anybody who does know about guns, this movie should drive them fucking nuts, right? I would think so. You know, I kept thinking about John Wick, and it's not a fair comparison to make, 
But when you compare this to something like John Wick, where they probably spent months figuring out how to do all the choreography for the action scenes, and they sent Keanu to the fucking range to train for weeks ahead of time, versus this, where I wouldn't be surprised if the first time Arnold held any of those prop guns was like 10 minutes before Mark Lester yelled action. <laughs> like, the the level of care, and it's like, maybe it's 80s versus 2010s or whatever. Maybe it's money. Well, they're maybe building it's upon, yeah, they're building upon the, the legacy of, of these action films. Yeah. Well... Listen, I like where it's going. Before that. I like where it's going. But it makes it harder to enjoy these older movies. It's, you know, your expectations are to a certain point, and then you go back and watch something like this, and you're like, wow, they really didn't care at all. Like, they cared just enough to turn the camera on and set the charges. If you think about it, you know, from this era, if you want to do that... The ex- the movie The Expendables is probably ten times more sophisticated. I can't watch those movies, right? But it's probably it's probably ten times more sophisticated than their these yeah. actors' previous films. Yeah, you're. I'm sure you're right. And I, it's like the I tried to watch the first Expendables and I couldn't get through it. I just was not. I couldn't. It just wasn't for me. And I think it is a level of like, okay, they're basically taking the stupidness of these old movies and they're trying to like make them how they would make them now but i just don't want to see it now like if you're gonna do that make it good you know like <laughs> like i don't know i just i can't with that kind of shit but uh, but i love those fucking john wick movies that kind of stuff like i'm all about it so i don't know it occurred to me many times during this movie uh but i i thought it most apropos during this scene um between explosions we get a pseudo chase scene where based on a call from the dudes that saw Enriquez's body pull off the plane, Bennett goes to kill Jenny. I haven't been talking about these cut in scenes of Jenny, like slowly escaping from her, her, her boarded up fucking room in this huge mansion. But over the course of the movie, we've seen Jenny like get a door handle off and, and use it to pry a fucking piece of wood out of like a boarded up window. And, Eventually she escapes here and then Bennett speed walks after her, following her into like an underground power station of some kind. It's a little confusing to me where they're going. It's like a steam foundry or something. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, okay, I I get that this this estate probably needs like power more so than just a normal house would. But do they need like an entire fucking power station under there? (laughs) It's a little weird. And again, it does seem like it's steam driven. Yeah, it does. And uh, that'll come back to play in a minute here. Uh, in the meantime, Matrix is out back, busy throwing fucking saw blades and using axes and machetes to separate generic Latino henchmen from their appendages. Now, now going back to nine-year-old Lou, how awesome was that that radial saw? I loved everything about it. <laughs> Blade being thrown <laughs> and scalping a guy at a distance. Yeah, I loved everything about that fucking that that shed scene where you know they basically surround the shed with him inside, and then he, you know they shoot it up. And then they send one guy to open the door, which I'm like, really? Who's going to be that guy? (laughs) But the guy opens the door and then Matrix like, you know, swings down from above with an axe, you know, hits him in the chest and then comes out fucking throwing saw blades and throwing fucking, you know, all kinds of shit. It's the best use of a tool shed in a movie outside of Evil Dead 2. (laughs) Tool shed. (laughs) Yeah, it's I mean, listen, it's not awesome, but it's kind of awesome. I'm down for it. And I've got a fun fact, which you probably already know, but for, for later in our facts area that, that relates to this scene. So we'll, we'll get there in a minute here. Um, after Matrix shoots the dictator to death with a shotgun, I don't feel like we need to go into any more depth about that. It's sort of like a blatant uh, Scarface ripoff, but done really 
cheesily. It's not a great, like, it's not a lot of effort put into ending this dictator's life. You know, he, he basically <laughs> yeah, does very it. little satisfaction. Yep. He just does what he needs to do. And then he finds his way to the basement slash power station. I believe he hears his daughter, you know, yell dad or something off in the distance over all the turbines going. Exactly. So <laughs> finds his way down there and we get our showdown between him and Bennett and Vernon Wells went so fucking hard in this scene, but it's all cringy. He went for it. I give him credit. He went for it, but like every everything he says, his face, his choices of how he drops the lines and everything. I mean, I'm gonna throw I'm gonna throw a little bit in here for everybody to enjoy. I can beat you. I don't need the girl. I don't need the girl. I don't need the gun, John. I can beat you. I don't need no gun. I gotta kill you now. It's too much. <laughs> it's too much, man. Like, uh, I mean, you, I don't know. You felt that way, right? You were. Oh, absolutely. But again, maybe he's, he's trying to, trying to exercise his chops knowing that, uh, you didn't get too many lines in the road warrior at all. No, some no. screams, <laughs> some yells. Yeah. Some grunting uh, uh. in the distance raping maybe. <laughs> but yeah, my favorite part of this scene and the part of why it's my favorite part is because it made Tammy laugh and go, what? But, uh, is when matrix knocks Bennett into the electrified fence. And after being like absolutely torched by it, the momentum sends him back into the fight where he suddenly seems to have been like recharged. Yeah. It's like it energizes him. Dude. He threw eight unanswered blows. I counted them eight. He throws eight fucking blows, punches and kicks after that. And it's awesome. Literally my wife goes, (laughs) what? (laughs) Like when he starts throwing punches, like I think she thought like him going into the fuck, I think she thought it was going to be like Dwayne and the lost boys, like going into the stereo, you know? But he comes back renewed, and he even says, "John, I feel good." <laughs> I'll be honest with you; like I'm, I'm kind of into it a little bit. <laughs> there must have been some pretty low voltage there. <laughs> he screams like it's out of out of bounds, though. When when he hits that it just, fucking, it was startling. <laughs> it was startled. <laughs> it was like the Doberman. It's just like, who scared me there? <laughs> Caught me off guard. Ooh, scared the pants off me. <laughs> you, you startled me. So anyway, Matrix eventually reclaims the upper hand. Bennett finds an Uzi on the floor because the floor just fucking spawns Uzis like a video game. (laughs) And uh, because he's got an Uzi, he calmly explains that he's not going to shoot Matrix between the eyes, but instead he's going to shoot him between the balls. If I can't have you, no one else can. Exactly. I'm going to take those balls off so nobody else can enjoy them. But I'll be honest with you. If you shoot him between the balls and he's standing in a certain way, all you're going to do is like damage his scrotum a little bit. If you're a good shot. But like everything else will be fine. Yeah. Like right between the balls <laughs> it means he didn't hit either ball. You know what I mean? Right. Both balls are intact. <laughs> it went straight through the middle. You got a hole in the scrotum. A little dangling, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully the hole's not big enough that a testicle will fall out, but you might be able to, to, to be okay, you know? So. Yeah, I mean, what caliber is a newsie? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Is it, do we know? Is it like nine millimeter? I have no idea. I that's don't know. I think that'd be <laughs> something to look up. I thought you were the Uzi expert with all your experience oh, handling Uzis. Yes, right. <laughs> yeah. So while Bennett is explaining to Matrix that he's going to um, fondle his genitals with the Uzi bullet, Matrix has enough time to rip a six foot long piece of pipe off the wall and then throw it at Bennett, impaling him through the chest and pinning him to what looks like a giant water heater. And uh, this is where you mentioned the, the steam. The, the steam yes. is just flowing out of the pipe. And this gives 
Matrix the excuse to say what I think is one of the dumbest one-liners of, of his career, which, you know, <laughs> let off some steam, Bennett. That is so forced. <laughs> that is right up there with that initial uh, I'll be back, Bennett. It probably belongs more in the running man than anything else. Yeah, for sure. And you could tell that they probably had like nine or ten versions where he just said different things. And they just settled on the one that made them laugh in editing or something. But it's a cheesy fucking line. It would make sense if throughout the fucking movie, Steam was somehow like relevant to Bennett as a character. Like maybe he was like real amped and people kept saying like, hey, cool off, man. You gotta let off some steam or something. (laughs) And then like at the end, right? (laughs) Then it it makes sense. But it's such a non sequitur. Why so steamy? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Matrix makes me steamy, man. I, I can't help it. He just makes me steam it. Oh, God. Anyway. <laughs> or he orders steam clams all the time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anything. Anything would have been better than just how it plays out. It's just too random. I mean, I get there's steam coming out of his chest, but whatever. I, you know, I don't know. <laughs> this is not up there with... Uh, now playing Zero. <laughs> I mean, Running Man's on the list. We're going to do Running Man. Don't spoil all the good material. <laughs> so we meet on the beach after all the shenanigans and matrix and jenny are leaving as general kirby and his troops are arriving yada yada we want you back john yeah he shows up with what like five troopers yeah i mean i feel like there's multiple <laughs> fucking helicopters landing so it, there's i don't a, know man, a i only saw five five soldiers popped out yeah well you might be right but it was enough Either way, yada yada, we want you back, John. Yada yada, no thanks, I'm all set. Alyssa Milano, meet your new mom, Cindy. And that was Commando. (laughs) (laughs) And fade out. And scene. So, anyway. Did you watch the the inner credit scene? (laughs) No. (laughs) Is is there one? (laughs) No. Okay. Is there bloopers at the end? (laughs) It's all those outtakes of of what he says to Bennett, dude. I would be. So I so, thought you were referencing. I would be so disappointed if there actually was like a, a, a mid credit scene that I'd never seen after watching this movie like twelve times. I've never seen the fucking end credit scene where they like show like fucking Thanos doing another glove fist grab or something like those fucking Marvel Bennett movies. Tried to chill out. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Bloopers would be funnier. Uh, Bennett. Why don't you stick around? (laughs) Stick around would have been better than love some steam. I'm sorry. It would have been better. Did you read that somewhere? Because I think that was one of them. I don't know. I didn't. Bennett, I told you I'd be back. Even that. Even Pipe (laughs) through the back, Bennett. (laughs) Oh, shit. Uh, Reviews, dude. This this movie. IMDb, 6.7 out of 10 right now. Which... Not not bad. Not 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 bad for what we got here. Rotten Tomatoes, seventy one percent critic score, sixty seven percent audience score. This is the first movie we've done where the critic score is higher than the audience score. What do you what do you make of that? I Okay. So I look at it, if I can break it down for a second, I would say that again, this is the kind of start of this type of film. Um you know, people were being forgiving on it as a new direction of an action film that's about all i can do yeah my thought is is similar like the critic scores are probably contemporary scores from like when the movie came out and then the audience scores are like over the years you know yeah i would say as as it 
I mean, they're all aggregate scores, but I think that nobody's really doing a critical review of it right now. In yeah, 2021. Yeah. So it, you're right. It's probably 85 all modern reviews. Yeah. The only thing that would make sense to me, I think. Um, but it is weird. It is notable. It's the only, it's the first out of the movies we've done for this show that that's the case. So we'll have to keep track and see if that happens again uh, in the future. What do you, What are you going to give many, this? Uh, how many Academy Awards was this nominated for? Dude, okay, so obviously none, but <laughs> but I was reading I was reading one of those like the history the oral history of Commando kind of articles, God. and on the in the article it said it was nominated for an Academy Award for best screenplay, and I was like, what? And then I looked, and of course it's not. <laughs> but I was like, is that a joke or did somebody fuck up? Like it was such a weird moment where I was like, did I really miss that? <laughs> How is that possible? Oh, for a split second, I was like, is that true? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, that's pretty gullible of you. Yeah, I know. Well, listen, I just really want to like this movie. Oh, for an internet hoax. Um, listen, I'm not that smart. Um, <laughs> what would you give this? Sword Dick, Quick Center in the Car Seat, Broccoli Horror Trope. Where do you, where do you land on this? Oh, well, here's the thing. I mean, it, it kind of created a few Broccoli Horror Tropes of its own, so... That's, that's where I'm landing it. It was waffle. The broccoli was on the wing of the plane. I can't, in clean conscience, say anything different. I, I, I can't romanticize it like you did. I didn't see it as I was nine years old sneaking into a, a, a theater. <laughs> I well, didn't you sneak. Know, you I, didn't even, you didn't I bought sneak, a ticket right. like everybody else. I was a <laughs> paying customer. All right. Did you buy a child's? <laughs> <laughs> probably i would think so at nine one I don't, kid yeah one kid it was it was two kids me and uh yeah i, can't remember who I, I went mean with, but the whole thing is it's it's not broccoli horror trope it's broccoli action trope for this yeah it okay created, it created so many all right so that's where you land well this is going to be a first for us because i am a sore dick it's like a sore dick you can't beat it I've hinted to it. The odometer kept going. You know, it started, the odometer for me started at zero, which which is sore dick for me when it comes to this movie. And then during the movie, it would go down in the red, and I'd be like, oh, dude, this movie's kind of bad. And then all the scenes that I mentioned would happen, and I'd be like, nope, I'm fucking in. And at the end of this movie, I was like, I will watch this movie again at some point in the future. <laughs> like, I want, I want to watch this again at some point. I I can't. I, but you're I, saying not it even... brought you back to zero, and zero is the good point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Zero it's... is like I, 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 I like zero this fucking is, movie. Zero is a sore dick for you. All right. Well, it's like a, it's like a litmus test, right? But like, it's, oh it's zero is like the baseline of like I'm in, and then it slowly we go into like the negative territory. But then it made it, it, it made its way back, dude. There's a lot to hate about this movie. <laughs> You, but, you know, and, 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 you know, you keep talking about how it's, it's resetting the odometer and bringing back the meter and all mm-hmm. for me, it's, it's, you know, one step forward, three steps back every time. Yeah. Listen, I'm not going to, it's not the hill I'm going to die on. I, I cannot argue against your rating. I can't, I can't, you're not wrong. <laughs> Everything in my head says you're right, but my heart says no. My, my heart says my heart wants what it wants. Listen, it's like a sore dick. It can't be beat. <laughs> <laughs> those those special moments and those special lines they just they they save it for me i just 
I you, can't. You, my friend, are, are clearly watching this with rose-colored glasses. Rose I know. Tinted glasses. I know. I know. And hopefully, the fact that I'm self-aware about that gives me some credit. Even though, I mean, obviously, I don't deserve it. But I like this movie, dude. I'm. I. It's stupid, but I like it. Again, you know, I, I, I could never put this movie up on a pedestal like you are. Yeah, I understand. You know, every once in a while, you just you you. I, I don't know. I, we're gonna me, have I'll one, bring of, one to the plate, and you're gonna rip it apart. Yeah, we're gonna have one of those for you here. Uh, you know, at some point, but this one's mine. It's on my list, and it's staying on my list. Let's let's rank it on letter on letterboxed here. Um, so you know, I, I'm sure you can guess. For me, I'm putting it right behind Pump Up the Volume, right before The Lost Boys. I liked this more than The Lost Boys. So yeah, that's where it is for me. Where are you putting it at the end? Does it go past? Yeah, can't hardly is, wait. Is a, I mean, it's the lowest rating I've given. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, that shakes things up. Now, clearly, there's going to be lower films, but. Sure, one one of these days, but not yet. We're not there yet. No. Good Good Burger hasn't made its appearance on the podcast yet. <laughs> what a piece of shit. Well, you know what? That's good. We just mixed it up. Now our, our letterboxed rankings are actually different from each other, so we're, we're getting somewhere now. This is the whole point here. I'm enjoying this. Gating traction. Let's hit you with some facts here. Let's let's do a little... We're going to call this just the facts from, from how on. Uh, <laughs> the mansion in the finale of the movie is the same one that was used... At the end of Beverly Hills Cop. Okay. That, that, I don't know seems, why I didn't note it, but obviously. Seems it's, legit. Yeah, it's clear. Clear as day. And it, it is somewhere in like Brentwood or Beverly Hills or one of those areas. It's, it is not on a small island off Santa Barbara. <laughs> is there a small island off of Santa Barbara? There are actually. There's a couple. There, there, it's, there is a, okay. a, a string of islands over there. So there's, it, it could legitimately exist, but. We both know it doesn't. <laughs> so the second fact here, apparently Arnold Schwarzenegger and Radon Chong were supposed to have a sex scene, but it was cut because it was, quote, not convincing. <laughs> can you can you guess when in the chronology of the movie that sex scene would have happened? No. Um, in <laughs> God, I don't. <laughs> You're going to no. love the answer. All right. Hit me. They were supposed to have sex while flying to the island. <laughs> like put that shit on autopilot let's fuck yeah let's fuck like oh my god yeah so deemed not convincing and scrapped. for numerous reasons yeah that there's no chemistry between these two fucking people no. uh fact number three here the country of valverde is also mentioned in die hard 2 and predator uh-huh. so so that's that's fun. interesting, and I believe that the same screenwriter wrote Die Hard too, so that would make sense. I don't know how it ended up in Predator, except for Schwarzenegger, um, but it's a good yeah. generic stand-in for a South American country. Was McTiernan the director of both? Uh, McTiernan was Die Hard one, and Predator. Die Hard two okay. was um, Rennie Harlan. Okay, I'm not, I'm not sure. Rennie Harlan also directed Cutthroat Island, I believe. No, that's a complete non sequitur, but I just thought I'd throw that in here because it's a fact, and we're talking about facts. Uh, number four. Just the facts. Yeah, exactly. Number four, this is the one I alluded to during the uh, the tool shed scene, uh, and this is my favorite fact about this movie. In fact, I think the first time I heard about this was Ben Affleck talking about it on a talk show or something, but Schwarzenegger proposed to the director that his character should cut off a guy's arm and beat him to death with it during that scene. 
and the head of the studio told me he was fucking crazy <laughs> and declined to approve the scene. <laughs> well, he indeed cuts off an arm. He definitely cuts off an arm. He just I think he wanted to go a step further and just beat the guy with it. So I love that fucking fact. That's the best. And that is all the facts I have. Uh, you say rip, rip an arm off and beat him to death with it brings back uh, Billy Bob from Varsity Blues for me. <laughs> Why? I can't remember the line. What is it? Uh, he threatens, threatens. I think uh, John. Voight oh yeah, saying, John Voight's character. Yeah, totally. Uh, I do remember that now. Something, something about you know, rip your arms off and beat you to death with them. Is that movie on the list? I can't remember if you put that on there somewhere. No, I didn't put it on the list. All right, I'm could. waiting. I'm waiting until you get like I you could. get frisky, go south of the border, and put Varsity Blues on the list. <laughs> <laughs> let's fucking let's no fly this thing. What's what's your no fly list? Give me give me what you got. Give me all you got. Give me all you got. Give me all you got. This and give me all you got. <laughs> all right, let's start with. The writing. Nobody would film this movie based <laughs> upon this screenplay. This screenplay would have been rewritten until this was fixed because this is this is a pile of crap. <laughs> Anything that's good on it is, is, is just based upon the, the actor's delivery. Yeah. The editing. The editing is so bad. You know, there's there's no continuity. There's scenes that clearly were, were shot back to back out out of sequence, but there's like you said, the car damage. Um, you know, there's there's so much where the editing just, just screws it. You know, white swimsuit to the, the, the bikini <laughs> trunks, everything. Bennett in the in the wheelhouse. Exactly. <laughs> the, the you know the implausible stunts. I I can see how it fly in the you know 1985, but there is no way anyone would not walk out of this theater. You know, watching <laughs> watching Arnold drop like a stone out of a plane. Yeah, you know, that that's moving. 380 miles an hour. I love the idea of somebody going and seeing this movie in the theater right now as a new movie that just came out. <laughs> There'd be riots. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. This, there would be so many so many refunds being you know passed out. Indeed. Um, not a single bad guy was remotely on the same level as Arnold. Like, nope. Even the two big bads, you got Bennett and Arius, they were out of shape cartoon characters. Was Arius the name of the dictator? Arius was the dictator. <laughs> I don't think I even knew he had a name in this fucking movie, yeah. dude. Can you imagine, real quick, before you go on, can you imagine a world where, like, they took Serge Nubray and had him be, like, the, the heavy, the bad guy in the movie, and they were like, yeah, you and you and Arnold, back when you were, like, in a unit together, you guys worked out together. You were, like, workout partners. That's why you're similarly huge. That would be fucking awesome. Well, think about it. Carl Weathers, you know, is, Carl Weathers. is really beefy, you yeah. know, in, in, in Predator. Yeah, much more believable as a, a I don't, yeah, I don't know why they cast this fucking guy. Like, he's, maybe he's the greatest guy ever off camera, I don't know, but in this role, <laughs> Bennett sucks. Like, he is a terrible bad guy <laughs> to play against Arnold, and the only it's, thing that makes it's it- It's laughable. Yeah, the only thing that makes it work for me is the gay angle. Because it's such a funny, <laughs> weird thing to have in a movie like this that's all macho and takes itself real, yep. real like serious in that way. Like to have this fucking bad guy that's so clearly like has a homosexual, you know, fantasies about Matrix. It makes yeah. me laugh. I'm in. I'm listen. I mean, it's hard not to with his oiled body. Sordic. <laughs> but I digress. Go on. Yeah. Um. I said this before. The the, the mall cops. None of it was believable, let alone, you know, <laughs> two women hanging on every word of this guy and then following him to a, to kick some ass. Want to see um, me kick some ass? 
Uh, Cindy with the with the rocket launcher. She shoots it backwards first. There's no re- recoil. <laughs> you know, yeah. she, there's no aftershock for her whatsoever. No recoil. Doesn't knock. And her she forward. turns around. <laughs> she turns around and shoots it, and she's almost like on wires and like jumping backwards with it. <laughs> you know, sure, so it's sure. like back to back shots. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, the, ridiculous like a fox. <laughs> exactly. The stereotypes, you know, exhibit on exhibit throughout this film. You know, um, African American, the, the Hispanic, everything about it, like the stereotypes, they're so 80s, you know, it wouldn't fly in 2020s. No, they had no concerns. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and the number one thing on my no fly list is, is the movie. <laughs> the movie all together. The movie would not fly today, buddy. Did you, did you like this movie before? Do you remember liking yeah, it? Yeah, passably. Passably. Okay, gotcha. So it's not like this viewing ruined it. Yeah, this is not my Arnold jam. Okay, I got you. I got you. We got plenty more Arnold in the chamber, so you'll you'll have your your fucking opportunity. Uh, all right. So my list, uh, Uzis, just Uzis in general. I'm glad they they left with the '80s. We don't see them anymore. I'm okay with that. Girl George, I mentioned it. Joke doesn't work. It didn't work then. Doesn't work now. Um, a 38 year old Arnold Schwarzenegger kissing a 12 year old Alyssa Milano on the lips. Can't can't get behind that. I don't I don't care if they're daughter and and dad i'm I'm not down uh matrix matrix's blazer going through a wormhole to allow it a second shot at the convoy and all the other moments that break the the, the known laws of physics i'm not going to list them all so many but we talked about a lot of them so many yeah dan hedaya's brown face you mentioned the stereotypes that falls into that i i don't disagree they're, they're really insensitive in this movie and actually, one of the funny quotes I saw from Radon Chan was that it made her sad to see all the little brown guys getting killed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, boy. Um, Sully's technique as a pickup artist needs some work. He's, he's really not going to he's not going to be doing a lot of successful sarging with that style. He needs a little more wow. little, little more technique, a little less peacocking for Sully. Um, <laughs> that Cindy would have requested to go with Matrix after the mall scene. I covered that pretty thoroughly during the plot. No one would have. Yeah. And uh, same as you, that Bennett could hang with Matrix even for a second under any circumstances ever, unless they're doing a 69 and then maybe. So, yeah, agreed. The bad guy is not at all what was needed. Oh, it's laughable. Yeah, bad choice. I mean, they might as well made Sully the heavy, you know? Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the fucking, that's Commando, dude. Uh, You got anything else you want to say about this fucking movie before we rock and roll? Um... I mean, unlike the Lost Boys, you know, in retrospect, watching it, I was a little bummed out, you know. I went into watching Commando for probably, this would might be being like fourth or fifth time, honestly. Um, <laughs> I love that you've watched this movie four or five times. You know, and, and the thing about it is I probably watched it, like I said, on VHS as, as a teenager, you know, late teens or something, and yeah. was okay with it. And then over time, I would rewatch Arnold movies in groups and then i remember buying a dvd box set that included this one with total recall and i want to say running man and raw deal um, raw deal oh and, raw deal uh, raw deal's the unsung it, hero of that box set right <laughs> and then uh so so i'm watching it in in that kind of timeline again so but again looking back at it i i Pretty much, when you threw this on the list, I knew what I was getting in, into. Yeah, I did watch it with a with a, a little bit more discerning eye. 
<laughs> still it's really hard. isn't necessary no, you know? it's, it's the wrong move and that's the thing that's funny about this podcast is like we're watching movies that i enjoy but i never a lot of these i'm not i've never watched with this level of detail i've never been there's yeah. never been a reason i'm not going to talk about them for hours afterwards so like you know when it comes to a movie like this it's like oh man like i it's like I said at the beginning, like even just looking at the poster, I'm like, I don't think I've ever really looked that hard at this poster, <laughs> even though I've I've seen it a million times. That's kind of a theme for this whole podcast. Like, I don't think I've ever looked at this hard at any of these movies. And it's uh, uncovering some weirdness for me. Well, the lasting value of Commando as a film is, again, it, it kind of started the one-liners for me. It kind of it changed what what an act like a modern action film was at the time added the tongue-in-cheek humor to it It went over the top on some of the expectations of what an action hero was capable of but it also became in hindsight kind of a caricature of what the genre became yeah when you look at when you look at all the things that they make fun of when it comes looking back to 80s action films i mean this is all of it mixed in a pot together. Commando is the, the action film that's made fun of, or at least lampooned or, you know, pastiched. Yeah. I, you know, to bring John Wick up one final time, you, did you see the third John Wick? No. Okay, so I'm not going to spoil a lot, but there's a scene where he uses a horse to kill a guy. And I'm not going to go deeper than that, except to say that there is shared DNA between them making a choice like that and the wrong shooting the guy in the head scene in commando the doing something so bizarre and comical and and out of like the realm of where you're expecting it to go and having it be like violent and kind of funny like you're laughing even though it's gross and like that's the template yeah it's you can see that dna and shit now it's just they do it well now they care now they make it they make it work now. They make it make sense now. And in Commando, it's just like, yeah, fuck it. Let's just do this thing because it's funny. <laughs> that was that was probably the mantra throughout this film was like, yeah, fuck it. That's good enough. <laughs> yeah, fuck it. Let's just do it. Let's I'm just like, shoot it. it. We got we, <laughs> The shit's late already. Fuck it. 100% the mantra was less talk, more rock. That's what it was. Like, <laughs> let's fucking wrap this up. Let's do this thing. Stop talking about it. Let's just do it. Yeah, I don't disagree. I still, I still like it, but... And I still like Arnie. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I look forward to talking and about Bill more. Duke. I wish, you know what, David <laughs> David Patrick Kelly. I like I like Bill Duke. I like Arnold. Um, you know what, the rest of the, I mean, Ray Don Chong is like, I mean, that's probably the only film I can think of her in right now. But yeah, me too, actually. <laughs> yeah. But I remember her being a name for a half a minute. So she's fine. She's inoffensive. Um, Again, I don't know that you could have found somebody better that would have like had chemistry or anything like that. Dude, I don't you know think that's what, possible. You know what I would have done if 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 I could have this movie, you know, redone like at that time, I would have mm. I would have made Bill Duke the big bad. Yeah. He should have been. He deserved to be you know, the the simmering kind of badass bad guy cuz he he was more badass than any of the other guys. Fuck yeah. Can you imagine Bill Duke? Minus Arnold. Can you imagine Bill Duke wearing a fucking cloth chainmail vest and doing an Australian <laughs> accent? Because that would have been amazing. <laughs> oh, man. He just auditioned on the wrong day. That's all. Exactly. No, I agree. I think this movie would have improved improved tenfold if uh, Bill Duke had been the main bad guy. 
but I don't know if there's a rating above sore dick, so I don't know if I can handle anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Chafe dick? I don't know. Exactly. No, I... Uh, Raw dick? I, you know, I, I like this movie. I, I can't defend it. I will not defend it, but I can't say I don't like it when I do. So I'm still on board. This, this watch didn't ruin this movie for me, and uh, I'll be back. This podcast didn't do it either, huh? No, no. And I, hopefully that'll happen more often, because like you, I was a little disappointed by Lost Boys. And Can't Hardly Wait was what I expected, but I did kind of, having to rate it, I was like, uh, it's not a very good movie. <laughs> you know, like, it, it's got funny things, and there's things I like, but, yeah. I mean, again, I, I'm i glad we, we did it. I, And I'm glad, you know, this experiment continues. I... I hope to have more pump up the volume moments out of the four that we've done. So me too. Well, maybe next week will be that for you because uh, next week you want to tell these motherfuckers what we're doing next week. We're getting some more David Patrick Kelly. We're doing the Warriors. Yeah, we're gonna come out and play. Actually, they're <laughs> gonna come out and play, or we want them to come out and play, but they maybe they won't. I, I don't. It's been a while since I saw this movie, so yeah. I, well, not you. When we, when, we, <laughs> when we see the ocean, we know we're home. There you go. So we'll see you guys next time uh, to talk about the Warriors. And yeah, thanks for coming. All right, Dan out. I'll kick everyone's ass in this room.